0: Powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina. And broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studio in California. It's episode 278 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Michael Giordano of Quality Importers Trading Company as our very special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dago's Race has introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celebs. So is a Spanish word that means leisure after work, and the spirit is a standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Sole is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celes car carries a blend of Criollo Oro and Piloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance, a surprising rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Sole, and by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary Blend has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary Blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan Sun and a dark oil Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel wrappers with thick high priming binder and fillet tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company. It's headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12 year vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line. Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate dark, bold, and unapologetic Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro Tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distillian's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer, and remember all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as for the California studio, is sponsored by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 278. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Will Cooper, I'm in the Podoma Squad Studios on the Black Stage. And I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. Hey,
1: are you doing tonight, Will?
0: I'm doing great. I mean, it's been a great 24 hours, obviously, since last night. for a Philly Bill hitter. So yeah. I'm very happy to be, uh, um, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, very, and the Phillies are winning again tonight. So I'm very happy baseball-wise right now. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, Hector was right. They're not going to lose 100 games. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> yeah, they won tonight. They, so it's over for now.
0: Yeah. above that, yes. Yeah, so yeah. They did win. So. They finally won, yeah. Yeah. Uh no, but it's awesome, going good. I think we were just talking before the show. The heat wave broke in North Carolina, so I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. Um, had some major landscaping work done this week, so uh, which I didn't do. So it was of, course. Do <laughs> of course, I don't do that. yet <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had like I had, I had these shrubs just were getting out of control. It was bad. Yeah. So uh, it was looking like a jungle. So it's nice and clean. So I'm really happy. And uh, we're gonna have a great show tonight. Um, uh, yep. got a great guest. A, I mean, an unbelievable giveaway, by the way. This tower of humidor. um i mean it's just i mean i wish i could be eligible to win right (laughs) but but hey let's let's aaron let's bring on our special guest right now uh he's making his first time appearance on the primetime show um he is michael giordano he is the ceo and founder of quality importers trading company
2: michael welcome to primetime thanks will thanks aaron i'm glad to be here and um I'm ready to spend as long as you want talking about uh, everything that we do and any questions that you have.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know you encouraged our audience to ask, ask questions, too. So we, uh, you know, if you got questions, just uh, put them in the chat. We'll try our best to kind of get them to them if we can along the way. But awesome. But Mike, it's a first of all. Uh, then thank you very much for the time. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you at PCA this year. I've uh, I followed your career for a, a long time, and uh, to get a chance to finally meet you and obviously talk about uh, what you've built at Quality Importers. It's it's a it's a true honor. So uh, we do really appreciate this tonight.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: No problem, no problem. You know, we're gonna be talking all the great things about Quality Importers, but uh, you know, Michael you do a lot of stuff with cigars. Obviously you smoke cigars and we always like to kick off with our guests. uh, If they can recall and talk about their first experience lighting up a a
2: premium cigar. Sure. Um, The first time I lit up a cigar that I can remember was uh, several years before I started Quality Importers. Um, I'm from New York. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, I was raised in uh, in South Shore, Long Island, uh, Massapequa Park, to be specific. And I went to a bachelor party, and they had uh, macanudos, and I lit one up. And thinking back now, it was it was um, somewhat of a forgettable experience. Uh, <laughs> not uh, not because not because of my opinion of of the blend. It's because I, I really didn't have anything to compare it to, and and uh i really I, I i didn't i didn't really know how to do anything with it you know i i cut it and i i i guessed how to do that i uh i lit it i started puffing on it and uh that was about it but the um the move to florida in um in 2000 it was august of well, we started the company in february of 2000 in august of 2001 I remember driving, I was leaving New York to move to Florida and on the way, stopped in Tampa and did the RTDA show in 2001 at the time. Um, The RTDA being the PCA now went through some reiterations of names. And um, I remember smoking a CAO Brasilia. That was the one that was uh, pretty hot at the time when when CAO was uh, launching the, the, the Brasilia and the Italia, I remember, right around the same time. And um, that was uh, officially, I call, the uh, cigar that I started with and remember uh, being the first. Certainly the one to kick off our business, um, Quality Importers, uh, coming off of that show in Tampa.
0: All right, I got to stop you because, first of all, what part of Brooklyn were you from?
2: Um, West New York, Canarsie area.
0: Right oh wow! Outside
2: of uh, right outside of Ozone Park, Queens, which is where my parents uh, mm-hmm. were from, yep. um, and uh, grew up there. I was there. I was there till about seven, and then uh, moved moved uh, east uh, to the island.
0: Okay, so I'm from Bay Ridge. And okay. Actually, I was born in Windsor Terrace, but really I lived in Bay Ridge, and then we, instead of moving to Long Island, we moved to Staten Island.
2: Okay. Yeah. Either one direction or the other direction. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and then the second thing is the cigar that kind of was, I think, that first premium line that I started with was Brasilia as well. So okay. I, I feel this connection. I feel it's like kind of yeah, connected yeah. already. Yeah, it's like I know exactly where you're coming from. Cool. And I was into the same thing it was the Brazilian, and the Italia. I was really into that whole thing. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah, very, yeah. very cool. Yeah, very cool. It's always good to meet a fellow Brooklynite there. It's just a bond with us. Uh, so it's good. It's awesome. That's awesome there. Um, but no, that that's uh that's great. Um, you know, before you, what were, were you doing anything before? Like, we're going to talk about the beginnings of, of what you started doing with quality imports. But were you doing anything before that in the industry or outside the industry? I'd say.
2: Um. Yeah. So outside, out of high school, I went into um a company that was a um, importer and distributor. electronic components, semiconductors, um, transistors, uh, integrated circuits. uh, That was a company that supplied all of the components that you would need to repair your electronic devices back when we actually repaired electronic Mm -hmm. devices. Um, now, Now everything is just disposable and you replace it, you toss it, you replace it, or you upgrade it and you kind of gift it to somebody. Um, but that's where I learned how to do the um, distribution business, the import business that we run today as quality importers just with different products. Right. Um, so, so that's where I got my um, experience with uh, working with the Orient, uh, working with uh, customs, importing products, freight forwarding, um warehousing uh, distribution and all the different departments of the company whether that be uh the sales and customer service accounting design purchasing um and uh we also have uh, uh the the print department of our company uh which is branded as swag bunker and i'm sure we'll get into talking about that uh these are the different departments that are comprised of the company quality importers and um, before I got into the business and started Quality Importers, I learned how to how a company like that would run. So I modeled quality after um, the business that I worked at on was, Long Island.
0: Okay, was that like so? Was it a B two B business at the time or a
2: B two C business? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, the business I worked at was B two B, and what I realized what, what I realized coming into um, that was, that was in the mid uh, to late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I actually missed the, the cigar boom. Um, a girlfriend at the time told me, uh, Mike, there's a cigar boom going on. And, you know, because we were in New York and it was Cigar Aficionado that was really, you know, yeah. feeling the, the, the flames behind that. Um, she said, there's a, a big cigar boom going on and you know how to import products. So maybe you do something with cigar accessories. And, um, and I did, I, I found, uh, found some time and found some suppliers and uh, placed an order. And it was the, an order for everything but humidors actually. It was, mm-hmm. it was lighters and cutters and ashtrays and cigar holders and cases and, and things like that. And um, what, what I tried to do was I tried to launch a website and sell it retail. Uh, now this is this is back in 1997. Just to give you right. an idea, you remember what the internet was like back
3: then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah. I
2: had I had no idea what I was doing on the internet. I certainly didn't have any idea how to do retail because I just I discovered very quickly that I was wired for wholesale, not retail. Um, and uh, there was a we get, we got the the Sunday Newsday. I'm sure you're familiar with that paper. Oh yeah, yeah well, the cool. big, big, big paper comes by on on the weekend, and, and my mother was looking in it. She goes, "Oh look, there's a, there's this guy um, who's in the newspaper, and uh, he sells humidors, and uh, it turns out that um, it was it was Dave's humidors. It was Dave from Dave's humidors, and his company was CheapHumidors.com." And she found this oh, ad that, oh, the, that. that the article that the article was made about him in the newspaper, and she said maybe maybe you can contact him and he'd be interested in in, uh, in buying some of your stuff. So we reached out to him, and he came by and I was I was working out of my uh, parents' house, the house that I grew up in ever since we left you know Brooklyn, um, and he comes by and and I have these boxes and some stuff and he, he buys all of it. He goes, oh that's cool. He leaves. And about a week later, he says to me, um, hey, do you do anything with humidors? I move a lot of humidors. And I says, well, I can, I can certainly find some. Well, one thing led to another, and we started up Quality Importers. And um, he said, well, I'm, I'm moving to Florida. And I said, well, uh, um, I vacationed in Florida every year for like the last you know, 15 years. My parents at the time were looking to move out west towards Arizona. And I says, well, I have a choice. I can either stay in New York, I can move to Florida, or I can move out to Arizona. Those are the three choices I had mm-hmm. at the time. And um, I made my way to Florida. And um, a couple of years after that, I uh, he, he, he said that he wanted to move on. So so I bought out his share. And um, I met uh, I met Marilyn, who's who's been my wife now for 20 years. And she's the operations officer at the company. And Mm -hmm. she's worked with me for that long. So um, she's instrumental in having built the company as well. She was employee number three next to me and Dave. And, um, and here we are. So yeah, I started out in in B2B. And um, I realized that B2B was much easier for me to understand. I was wired for that. And uh, I was doing that in the company that I was working in with the electronic components. And it, it was just a natural progression for me to run a business like that in the cigar um, business. Um, I remember uh, now thinking about it, uh, I would go to some of the shops, the local shops, and uh, do some of the personal deliveries. And um, I asked one if they were going to the RTDA that year. This had to be um, 2000. Um, and, he, and he said, no. He said, uh, are you? I said, yeah. He says, good luck getting your money back. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I've been in this business for 20 years. And after what I saw on the last two, with the bubble bursting, I guess, at that point, mm-hmm. he said, either you know something I don't know, or you're just plain stupid. And I says, <laughs> well, yeah, I, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of both. I said, <laughs> uh, maybe I am. But um, I didn't know any better. So nothing was really going to get in my way and stop me. I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aware of what I didn't know. And uh, I think that actually helped because as I ran into issues from people telling me what the problems were, and I could sum it up by saying, uh, uh, there were a lot of paper shoe boxes with sponges inside as humidifiers sold during that time for hundreds of dollars. And and, um, people just weren't, there was no appetite for it anymore. So I realized very quickly that we were gonna have to upgrade the products that were being offered when it came to humidors, we would also have to educate the stores Mm -hmm. on how to move the products that they had and use these accessories as vehicles to move cigars, not just figure out how to, uh, keystone and, and, uh, and, and double keystone the, the, um, the price that they bought it for, um, get rid of it, turn it and put that money into something that's going to turn quicker. So, um, that's, that's kind of where that went. So yeah, the
0: the name I was actually going to say the name Quality Importers Trading come, That's truly what it was when you when you started. Then that that's uh that's what you were doing.
2: Yeah, and, and again we didn't know we didn't know. So look, when someone says I'm not buying it because I bought stuff from China and it's it's not good, right? And I said, well, I go look. Um, there's there's a whole spectrum of quality that is made uh, and produced in factories across the world including China I mean let's face it um, you have uh, brands like Gucci and Louis Vuitton that are making five10 fifteen thousand dollar purses and pocketbooks and bags and they're made in the factories over there um, that, that are that are next to factories that are knocking off those same bags that are that are a, a fraction of the quality and price so I don't think it's necessarily indicative of the country that it's made. in. I mean, let's look, let's go back uh, in history a little bit. And um, you know, there was a time where everything that was made in Japan was looked at as like a, a, a junkie trinket. Mm-hmm. And then it was, and then it was Hong Kong and then it was Taiwan and now it's China. And what happens is, is that, you know, you look at Japan now, you look at even places like Korea, you look at Taiwan, um, they're very expensive. They're very high end, very, um, uh, very developed. And, um, and you have to pick and choose where you're going to get the products from in order to be able to hit the price point. Um, I would love to be able to manufacture here in the States, the, the factory that would need to be created in order to make the products, uh, at the volume that, that we move now, um, it would, it would be a tremendous undertaking and I'm not against that. Um, but at the end of the day, after the tremendous undertaking, there's still got to be able to be a profit made. Uh, Otherwise it just doesn't make sense. So we're open-minded to it. And there's things that we can start to do and we are starting to do um, here in the States. And um, we'll continue to look at that and see as things change.
0: But, you know, our cigars are made out. Most of our cigars are made outside the States too. So I kind of, you know, the nature of the business is it's, it's an import business in this U S uh, for tobacco as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and that's um, a lot of that has to do with um, where the tobaccos uh, are grown and, you know, look, there's tobacco grown all over the world. Right. But the, the tobacco that's being used to blend the cigars that are leading the market uh, since I've been in this industry, um, are, are primarily coming from, say, Nicaragua, the DR, and Honduras, right? Yep. Um, yeah, there's, there's, um, and 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 they're they're fantastic cigars. I've I've just seen what I know, and there are people in this industry who we know who have impeccable palates, and their blending skills, and uh, the, just the, the recipes that they have, and they just keep making them and making them and uh, the ones who stand the test of time are the ones who can continue to make the product taste the same and it be the same quality and consistency. And that's really important, especially when uh, we're importing from uh, countries uh, that are um, run a little bit differently than we run things here. Yeah. And the, the quality control um, is, is something that is just, so important. And it, it's an easy concept to understand, but to, to do it in, in mass, um, is, is a, is an art. It's a challenge. And, um, you can, you can always find, uh, issues with any organic products. You can find issues with cigars, you can find issues with humidors. And, you know, it's interesting when Zykar, um, Some time ago, um, thought of bringing in and did launch a a humidor line. Uh, I was looking at it from afar and I was saying, well, if they're going to do humidors and give a lifetime warranty, um, that'll be interesting to see how they do that. And and, uh, quite quickly, um, they steered out of that because anything that is wooden based is going to be imperfect by nature. Right. right, And yes, you can, you can um, really be selective in the materials you use and the finishing work that you do. But it makes the process go so slow and it makes the price go so high that uh, it's just not uh, the direction that we were looking to go. When we came out with the humidors, we said we wanted to make something that was going to be value-add and people would be able to, to take the money they save and buy cigars with it so that they can put the cigars in those humidors. It's almost like that story where someone goes, hey, and you know, I bought this uh, really, really expensive wallet and I got no money to put in it
0: <laughs> because all the money's in the wallet. <laughs> right. same, same concept. So this initial, these initial years, the humidors were your focus, but, but we were coming out of this boom. But yet there was still a market for this, right? So even though you were coming out of this boom, people still needed places to put their cigars is what you found.
2: Yes, and I also found that the uh, larger e-com companies, uh, the e-com catalog companies, uh, were looking to uh, juice their sales with, uh, with freebies, with a gift with purchases. They wanted to have something that was going to sweeten the deal. They wanted to have something that was going to be that vehicle to move the cigars, especially after the boom went bust. And we were just coming in at that time. So again, like I said, we didn't really know any better of what to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a need for it. And as long as there was something that was going to be uh, easy to order and the price was right and the quality was consistent, then um, then yes, there still was a need for it. I can tell you that when I came into the business, the wholesalers at the time that that I saw, they were selling everything about a humidor is a la carte, they were selling the humidor, which was the the wooden box, and then there were dividers were being sold separately. If it, there was trays were being sold separately, hmm. uh, humidifier and hygrometers were being sold separately, and it's like how, huh? like let's just make one purchase for that box and have all of that stuff come in there, right? Yeah, now. like take take the whole thought process out. If it's if it's a 50 count cigar humidor or under, it's going to have uh, uh, these attributes. If it's from uh, 50 to 150, it's going to have these attributes, and then 150 up to 250 is going to be these attributes. And we just standardized that, and um, and in that in that way, um, we simplified the buying process of the humidor's, and then we started to make a lot of different selections. So we found since the first trade show that we went to in Tampa in 2001, we realized that there were a lot more females who either ran businesses or who were buyers for those businesses than we had anticipated. Um, And what we found was that uh, on the side of what we were doing with uh, humidors, we also were doing jewelry boxes. And the only difference between the jewelry boxes and the cigar humidors that we were making was what it was lined with on the inside. The cigar humidors obviously were lined with Spanish cedar, right? The jewelry boxes were lined with felt and silk. So if we were getting attention from the buyers uh, who were um, either the owners or um, any of the females who came to the booth and were commenting, Oh, I like that. I like this design. I like this design. We started to realize that, okay. Um, women buy gifts for men. And if they're buying humidors, they're going to buy ones that they like also. Right. And if they're going to agree to have it in their home, they're going to want it to look appealing to them as well. So we started to realize that there was, um, there was crossover between the jewelry box and the humidor line that we were doing. And, um, and, yeah, it just kind of went from there, and it it started to take on a life of its own.
0: You tell me if I'm fast-forwarding too much, but when I look at quality importers today, you have this family of brands. There's a lot of brands that we've known for a long time. Mm-hmm. Going back, when was the decision made to start with this brand strategy? And was the approach originally acquisitions or were the things that you branded yourself before going the acquisition route?
2: Yeah, it's both actually. You know, to answer the first question, um, I realized that as nice as it was with the amount of business and the amount of work we were busy with um, building for the humidor line, um, it wasn't branded. Uh, The bottom was stamped quality importers. And That's not a humidor brand. It's it's not a product brand. Quality importers trading company is a service brand. Mm -hmm. Um, So I realized that if we were going to have staying power, we were going to need to acquire brands or create brands. Now I'm not, um, I'm not a brand creator by trade. Um, I can create, um, but Um, if I'm going to stay true to who I am and how I do things, uh, I'm going to need to either hire people who create and build brands and or acquire them. And what I found was that the how we do business is really what our business is. Meaning if cigars and they're not going to go away, especially with the great news that we just received uh, yesterday. Um, but if cigars were to go away or if people were to just never buy this from us, any of the products that we have, the how we do business would really remain. And the product or service that we lay on top of the how is, is what we would transact. Um, that's always been my philosophy. And um, adopting that philosophy, even if it's just something to, uh, to temper our mindset. Um, has served us well because we we were able to concentrate on what we needed to do and not really spend any time worrying about anything. Um, buying the brands uh, became very obvious when we started to see uh, the products that we were that we were buying and distributing um, were going up for. For sale, and it just made sense to kind of throw a hat in the ring and um, take a stab at it and see what we can do. And it turned out that um, somehow, with each of the ones that we did, and we, we've done we've done well over fifteen acquisitions over the twenty three years, and some of those acquisitions were. We're uh, were buying out closeouts and and picking up some tooling or uh, a trademark or a patent on something uh, up to um, the the full business. Um, uh, Big Easy Tobacco Company was one. Uh, Orleans Group was another one. And and the one everyone knows, was was the third. But... The the branding aspect of it was going to be the most important part. And to this day, it was probably um, the best thing that we did as far as um, preserving the longevity of the company. What was the first acquisition you did? The first acquisition that um, we did was Cigar Caddy.
3: Wow. Okay.
2: And um, we were buying Cigar Caddy and distributing Cigar Caddy. And, um, the opportunity I remember on that one didn't come directly to us, but it was suggested that they talk to us and, um, and, and we were able to not only acquire that company, but we were able to, um, make the factory who was producing all the cigar caddy at the time whole, we were able to, um, help the cigar caddy company kind of, um, situate some some obligations that they had personally and um i don't know if, if you remember but cigar caddy was was started by um, a company called otterbox yep who makes uh, all of the you know
3: okay. the pda uh,
2: yeah. cases and yep. even does some stuff for the military um, and they had a set of tools over at the factory that were being held there and and we were able to help them get those tools released. So not only were we able to acquire a company and and uh, take it on, but we were also able to uh, help uh, you know three other parties kind of you know, settle their differences. And um, it just felt really good to be able to do that. It was like a triple win. Nice. That that is nice. And um, what what year what year did that occur? The cigar caddy about? Well, the. Cigar Caddy, we we were carrying in two thousand and five, but probably around two thousand and ten, we officially um, we officially closed on the deal.
0: Okay, That's makes. I was asking the time because I thought I remembered actually when they were not 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 quality importers. So right, makes, I started with this like in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So mm-hmm. and um, I mean it was a very. It look Cigar Caddy today. It's the travel humidor. It's really that travel humidor of choice. I mean, it's a very well-known product today. I mean, it was back then, but think about it. you guys have really kept cigar caddy as cigar caddy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is that before we acquired Zykar, um Zycar had, um, Zykar had acquired a company called Madeleine, who is um, from Northern California. Mm-hmm. And Madelaine, uh had, a line of cases called Extreme, they had extreme, case, extreme cases, right. and um, Zykar then acquired them and renamed it the the Zycar case. Right. And um, be, before we acquired Zykar, I remember discussions between us and Zykar and they're like, "Well, look, you know, um, uh, the industry doesn't need both of these." And I said, "Well, but." Look, there are there are people who will buy yours and not mine, and there are people who buy mine and not yours. I go so the way I see it is, is that this this probably more benefit if we join forces with that rather than figure out how to right. take one out, right? Because you know it may be a small business, but it doesn't mean that just because it's a small business in the grand scheme of the world that there should only be one option. Right. that was my philosophy on it right. anyway. Yeah.
0: Right, make makes a lot of sense with that. The um, you mentioned one of your bigger acquisitions was Orleans, and I remember Orleans for a long time. I mean, they they were a big presence at trade shows and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what what attracted you to bringing Orleans into? what? Because you obviously were, you know, you have a lot of these humidor products. What what was really the impetus of, of, when the opportunity presented itself to get Orleans uh, into quality yeah. importers?
2: Orleans was um, there when we started day one. And um, we, we bought a little bit from them, but they, they saw us more as competition um, and uh, like uh, probably as adversarial competition. Whereas I look at this and say, look, it's, it's a small enough business and we all, we all have our specialties where we can all do business with each other. You know, the, and, and, and we have and and a lot of the, a lot of the companies that we have done that with we've we've had the opportunity to acquire over the years and some of them we still work together as partners. but Orleans group is there since day one and what we did was we competed with them for for most of the of the time when we started in 2000 up until like 2016 2015 when, when we uh, when we acquired them. Um, what led to that was the original founders, uh, had sold their company probably around 2006 or 2007. And, um, then it ran, um, by the, the people who acquired it, it was a, it was a private equity firm who acquired, uh, Orleans group. Mm -hmm. And, um, And then I I get a call one day and they said, Hey, look, it looks like these guys are looking to get out. Um, Maybe you want to take a look at it. And what I found very interesting with Orleans group was that uh, they were, they were doing a lot of printing, but they were doing printing for cigar band production. And they had some machines and, um, and they were, they were launching their own cigars, and they were making the bands for them. and um, and and I looked at the business and I said, "You know, we could probably figure out how to use this equipment to um, to label the accessories and create swag." And um, when we acquired that company, the biggest part that came out of that was, uh, that equipment and and that oh. department that now is Swag Bunker. Oh wow! So Swag Bunker, Swag Bunker uh, was was born from uh, a component of the Orleans Group acquisition.
0: Oh wow! When when you acquired Swag Bunker, well, so Swag Bunker was Orleans using that more for their own stuff, or were they doing customization for clients at the time? Because you're doing both right now.
2: Yeah. yeah. So so there. Their equipment was um, was doing some printing on uh, cutters and and um, anything that you could pretty much print on that had the, the real estate in the area for the for the printers. And it, it was mostly um, it was mostly printing, although they they did do some engraving as well. Um, but uh, they also had a machine that would uh, print and and die cut cigar bands and. Um, And and that's that's primarily at the time when we acquired them, what they were working on. What we did was we figured out um, with all of the different SKUs that we carry, we realized that we had virtual inventory to create um, uh, swag in in a way that it just hasn't been created yet. And with all of the brands that we have, um, we're able to uh, just Provide a, a, a an on-demand menu of anything that you need for any event that you're going to have to advertise your your brand. Yeah. So um, we we realized very quickly what we were undertaking, and then we realized that it was just going to be something that we need to do, and that was to invest in the machines. Uh, that are going to be able to facilitate turning the uh, swag and producing it um, in in a way where it'll be very easy to transact. In other words, um, without that service, we have to wait three, four, five months, we have to place an order for hundreds, if not thousands of pieces. Right. It's a, it's a big investment. It's a very fixed investment. In other words, um, if, if you're not a big enough company who can process an order of that magnitude and wait that amount of time and plan that far out in order to figure out what you're going to do with that many pieces over that amount of time, um, then you really, you either bite that and and are bogged down for an undetermined amount of time, uh, and then it drags on you, or you just end up not doing it. Um, in this case, with Swag Bunker, we're very we're very much um, encouraging everyone, whether it's a retail store or a manufacturer to come by, take a tour of our facility and actually see how this works because everything that we've invested over the last five years and the amount of time we've put in to perfect this process um, enables us to run shifts um, pretty much uh, around the clock and be able to produce swag uh, in a very short amount of time, a very short quantity run, if someone wants twenty-five pieces of something, we go in the we go in the warehouse. We pull it up, we queue up the artwork, we press print, and it's done. And they can do their event, and um, and people are really enjoying that service. And um, we're we're continuing to see that this is probably something that's uh, that's going to drive um, the way we do business going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just I have a couple. Of- things right here they're just beautiful i mean it's just it's it's so it's so personal when you do it i think i think a lot of us as cigar enthusiasts we have these not only do we have these products but i think a lot of us have swag bunker customizations on them too you know so yeah. i think it's really really uh I, I didn't realize that came from orleans group so you had to move all that equipment to, to florida basically when that happened
2: uh well yeah, well the, the good news is is that uh orleans group was uh was in uh, southeast Florida, only about forty minutes north. It wasn't of our too bad. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, so so we went there and we ran the company from there for a little while, and then we moved it down into our facility uh, in Weston.
3: Nice,
2: um, but but yeah, they they had they had some machines, and we've um, I mean it's it's probably it's probably four or five times bigger now than mm-hmm. than what we originally yeah. brought over. Uh, it's it's a department that's that's running as as a separate company for the most part i can see that yeah
0: i can totally understand And it's
2: exciting everyone loves it people come they'll take a tour and they'll see it and it's really exciting because when you come in you know it's interesting uh eric espinosa's uh doing knuckle sandwich with guy fieri and when they came over to our office and we showed them swag bunker um i remember seeing guys the wheels in his head were just turning and and um and all these ideas just come up because you see it in action. You could talk about it all you want, but when you see it in action and when someone flies in and they come to our facility and they see their product being printed and their name is just all across the, all of these different items, it, it's there's, there's a satisfaction that comes from that. And it's important because that's the biggest way that we can make the best connection to show how important it is. To be able to get this in a very quick amount of time with a very short run. Those two things are going to be a game changer.
0: Right. Where you don't have to make that huge investment either.
2: It, there's an option.
1: And wait three months or six months for your yeah. product. To
2: yeah. you. Exactly. And you, can, and, and you can be flexible with it. You don't have to buy a thousand pieces or 500 pieces. You can buy, instead of instead of doing that and committing to one item, let's say, you can you can come out with a handful of items yeah. for less than what it would cost for you to do that one, and you're going to get it in a couple of weeks instead of a couple of months. So it really really adds flexibility to the process, and uh, people the people who are partaking in this service are, are are enjoying it and benefiting from it.
0: We got a comment from Dan Thompson, the president of McAuliffe. He said after seeing the Swag Bunker services, we just said take our money, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no, we uh yeah he he the, look there's there are sometimes we can look at something and we can know and uh he is definitely an example of that for that's sure great. yeah that's we, great. Appre- we appreciate him for that
0: that's great that's great that's great do you get do you get re- i'm just curious do you get requests for maybe non-cigar products to kind of go through there as well and have you taken on any
3: business sure with
2: that? sure so there's a company that you may be familiar with they are um they are probably the leaders when it comes to, uh, all of the, uh, sports licensing and that's a, a company called fanatics. Yep. And, and, and we, we print for fanatics. So fanatics gives us, wow. um, the, the crystal hockey pucks that they use for the commemorative games. Where they fill the, the where they fill the crystal hockey puck with, with some of the the melted ice from the from the ring from that mm-hmm. game yeah and they'll they'll send them in and we're just we're constantly printing the those for them their headquarters oh is not too far from our office as well that's
0: awesome that's awesome that's awesome yeah now now as far as lighters and cutters go um before ZyCar was acquired you actually acquired a company called Palio was that the first uh, lighter cutter company you acquired or was there something else maybe I missed before that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the first branded one that we have acquired for yep. sure. Um, and they really at that time didn't do much at all with lighters. They had one model in maybe two, maybe three different colorways um that was just there. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't really being worked.
1: Yeah, um, I remember like seeing that like, there was so, like they were like touting that they were. Trying to put this lighter together. Yes, yeah, like that. that's right. Never nice. really gained any traction. Uh, I don't think.
2: That's right. So, so it was it was really their um, their flagship cutter that um, that we that we acquired the um, IP for, and um, what we did was when when we when we acquired Zykar, we also um, met Jimmy Muto from who was working at the time uh, from Calibri.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, he agreed to come on board with us. And, and he has been the person instrumental in developing the paleo line of lighters. And the reason why we chose to do that was um, there was a gap. There was a clear gap in between um, disposable lighters that you see at, uh, at the C-stores uh, and what Zikar was doing. And I think um, Zykar uh, under, under Kurt and Scott for the time that they spent building that company, um, they were very adamant about, and I, and I think it was, it was proper that they did this, uh, to not come out with price points on lighters and, and cutters and their accessories um, that would fill in uh, the, those subgroups. So what we chose to do was um, add those lines to Palio, which could get into the marketplace um, that were um, being serviced by um, Firebird from Mm -hmm. uh, Calibri or Vertigo from Lotus um, or JetLine. So that's, that's where we are with that. Okay.
1: And was the, was it, I'm assuming it was very planned reasoning for putting it under the Paleo name and not under the Zycar name for that those price. Type yeah,
2: well, well we, I agree. I agreed with even even though I asked him a bunch of times and I was trying to in, encourage him to to uh, step outside of uh, the lane that he was in uh, when I was speaking with Kurt about it back then. Um, but um, I said to myself, look, you know, they they built what they did, and uh, if we're going to build upon that. Um, then we have to stick to certain things, and that was one of those things that we stuck to. And being that uh, Paleo was just, you know, ripe for the for the expansion on that, um, when they brought that up to me and said, "Mike, we should do this under the Paleo name," I said, oh, "Let's go." And it's it's been it's been well received. Yeah, I mean they're great products. I mean these
0: these lighters they just. I've been using this, the Pistola, since every day from the trade show. It is a fantastic value.
2: Yeah. And and what we're coming out with next is um, the Palio Pro line, which is going to be, um, which is going to to fit in between the Palio and the Zycar. So Mm -hmm. we actually have the Palio and the Palio Pro, which are filling all of the gap Mm -hmm. in between the disposables and where Zycar is. So the Paleo Pro is gonna be more towards the Zycar, the metal bodies, the higher end finishes. Mm-hmm. And the Paleo line is going to be like you have uh, in your hand there. Um, the large, uh, the oversized tank, um, the, uh, the designs are all created and tooled by us. And uh, they all have the ability to go through the swag bunker process um, with yeah. enough real estate on them, like that one right there. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. showing that.
0: Nice job. Um, yeah. To
2: be to be able to be able to uh, maximize the advertising potential for each one.
0: Yeah that that's a that's a great thing, and uh, at the same time, you know, you 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 had now you got the Palio cutter, which was it, it's a, it would that was an iconic cutter. I mean, we always. Before you got, I mean, the Paleo Cutter was like this cool cutter, and now you had it under your your line, which was really good. And um, I've still love the Paleo Cutter to this day. So I I think you've done a very good job of transitioning that in.
2: Thank you. Yeah, and um, the the V cut, the Paleo V cut, uh, has been tremendous. Also, V cuts have just been tremendous for the last number of years. And um, coming out with the Paleo V cut. Uh, has definitely been able to add some uh, breath of f- fresh air for that line as well. And uh, there's more coming for that. No, so, that's, only, that's only about a year old, right, Michael? That came yeah. Out last year. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah there's going to, there's going to, there's going to be, there's going to be more, there's definitely more in the pipeline. Um, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it methodically so that everything um, gets done the right way. It makes sense. Um, we, we don't want to come out with something just for the sake of coming out for it. We really spend a lot of time discussing utility, uh, and not just design. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: You, uh, the, with the biggest acquisition though was the Zykar one by far for you. Yes. Okay. What, because you surprised a lot of people. I, I remember where I was, I was in the Dominican Republic on a bus going to uh going to la ramana the day it, the day it hit and everyone was like i think everyone was caught i think everyone knew Zycar would be sold i think you caught everyone by left field with that one
2: yeah it's it's funny because um that uh that morning i believe it was tpe the the tpe show was was, go- was, was, was going on that too morning yep. yep and uh i i think there was another piece of of uh there was another press release that same morning about STG buying Thompson. That's
0: correct. That is correct. So,
2: yeah. So, so those were, those were two, uh, those were two. Yeah. Yeah, But, but I I remember sending a text to Charlie, uh, at at half wheel and I go X marks the spot and he calls me up and (laughs) he call he calls me up and we're talking and he ends up missing. He goes, Mike, I just missed my flight to TPE. And I felt so bad, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's dedication from Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it It was, it was a huge, it was a huge undertaking.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, it was, uh, it was so, so, you know, just to, just to make a very long story short, um, I got called one day and, um, it was, a uh, it was a, Private equity investor group, and they said we'd like to buy uh, a competitor of yours, and we'd like to know if you would buy it with us because we would like you to run it. And um, and and what 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 I realized was was that it was it fit within the concept of acquisitions that we've been doing. Obviously it's a very big acquisition. There's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done. Just to give you a, a, for instance, um, what took six months to put together, um, I had made a lot of acquisitions just off of what someone said. Uh, They didn't necessarily have a tax return to show me. They didn't necessarily have a QuickBooks file or a profit and loss or a balance sheet or anything. Uh, in some cases, uh, there was no inventory to buy. Uh, it was just a trademark, um, you know, and it was up to me to basically value it and figure out what it is. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, I would, I would pass on it and then probably regret it because someone else would maybe pick it up. So after doing all deals like that, to have this, um, kind of fanfare of you know people marching in and doing this audit and doing that I, I wasn't set up to sell my company but it was like going through a process of doing that anyhow um, we're we're here now five years after doing the acquisition and uh, a lot of things have um, a lot of things have been looked at very closely and one of the things that um, is 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 top of mind for me uh, from going through that process is uh, the Zykar warranty. Mm-hmm. Now, right. the, the Z, you know, Zykar uh, came out with this warranty some years ago, and um, they were the first to do that, and uh, they stuck with it. And we had a big decision to make when we were realizing that uh, this, this transaction was, was happening. And we said we're going to need to keep this warranty um, because um, not keeping it uh, is more risky than keeping it so so the the question was well how do we know what the impact is of a lifetime warranty on products that are not meant to last a lifetime right that's that's kind of you know like let's 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 just look at it like that for a minute yeah so yeah. So that, that's kind of like the elephant in the room. It's like, okay, well, what is it now? There was obviously history and and Zycar was running it and they had history that we could look at and everything. So it wasn't completely in the dark, but that's always the question. It's like, you know, what is the potential of this um, unlimited liability? Um, we came to the conclusion that um, cutting it would be more detrimental than figuring out how to temper it. Right. Um, So I remember um, when we made the announcement that we were going to not only keep the warranty, but we were going to invest in it. Um, I had, uh, I had done a press release on it that day. And I remember putting in the press release, uh, the uh, sales at, quality importers email. And I, I pointed that email to my inbox because I wanted to see everything that came in. And right away, all of these emails are coming in from everybody. And it was, it was amazing because um, the reaction was, how do I send in all the stuff that I have here because you're going to be ending this warranty program? And I said, no, that's not, that's not what we said. That's not what we're doing there, there were changes. And what I mentioned to them at the time was, I go, look, it's, it's great that you, the store owner is handling the warranty. I go, but, but why would you finance my warranty program? Right. So if, if someone buys a ZyCar item out of your store and, um, and there's a problem with it and they bring it back, okay, well, you, you know they bought it from you. Um, then you can either try to fix it or you can take another one off the shelf and give it to them. Um, and then you have to send that back and then wait for whatever warranty does, whether they swap it out for you or fix it and send it back. That's, you're, you're carrying a cost to do that so you're you're fine the store is financing under that system the warranty for the manufacturer and is as as uh, nice as that may be to to Zicar, it's it it doesn't really make any monetary sense to do that so i heard what the concerns were from the um, the stores and they said well look um you know we don't we don't want you taking the customers, we want the customers to stay with us. And I says, well, I can understand that. I said, but, um, you know, we're, we're here to, to ship volume. We're not here to be a retailer. Right. Um, so, so the, the process of creating a portal an online portal that allowed the consumers to check on the status of where their warranty was in the process, um, was launched, and um, we started to get a lot of people who were engaging with that portal. And um, we just had to basically clear through uh, any of the backstock that was at the stores, um, because in some cases there were anywhere from dozens to hundreds of pieces that were just collected over time, and they were showing <laughs> they were showing up, and we had pallets worth of this stuff. Nice. We kind of expected that was going to happen. Uh, and that was going to be like one or two waves. And then once we got through that, then it would it would dissipate and subside. And then we'd get to some semblance of, of balance when it comes to that. Uh, and we have. Um, when we look at other uh, consumer um, products, um, like let's take sunglasses, for example, right? So we can go into uh, a mall or we can buy online, we can buy a main brand sunglasses. And then if there's a problem with it, they say, don't return it to where you bought it, uh, send it to the manufacturer. And then the manufacturer will look at it and either give you a new pair for free or like replace the lenses or whatever it is. Um, same thing with, um, with, with like uh, the, the big department stores, like, like Best Buy, you'd go in if you buy a Sony TV, don't return it there, You know, work on it with Sony, go direct. So that's the way the, the, the greater world works when it comes to consumer packaged goods and, and branded items like that. So what we, um, what we aim to do was we aim to uh, go in, in that direction, take the financial onus off of our customer, handle that as every other manufacturer handles their products, and, and be able to allow the customer to sell what they've bought, Rather than give it away to someone who may not have even bought from them, right? So there have been there have been some cases where I've been in a cigar store and someone will come in and they'll say I have a problem with the Zygar and they exchange it right there, and that person may have never even bought from them before. So I was just a little I was just a little concerned about that, and I voiced sure. that opinion, and um, and you know we we've worked through it, um, but that was probably um, the biggest discussion point. On um, on the Zycar acquisition, and going back to what you were saying about the surprise, uh, yeah, there were there were people who were saying, "Well, I thought it would have been the other way around."
0: Well, everyone, I mean, that that was everyone's reaction. There goes the warranty was the first reaction people were saying. I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: and and look, they they can say that, right? But is it is 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 it true? And. Um, for the warranty, it's it's not only been preserved, but it's it's actually been invested in and upgraded.
0: And it's easy. I did it. It's very easy to do it. I went on the portal yeah. and did it. It was very easy. So I can attest to it works great. Um, but you made a point, Michael, about a lifetime warranty on a product that doesn't have a lifetime span, a, a finite span. So how do you like deal with that from a business standpoint with this brand? Because that is kind of, you know, you look at that and I say... It doesn't make sense to have this, right? Because, you know, so how did you, how do you kind of as a business now, you have this brand, you have this unique warranty, but how does this help as a business to grow it?
2: Well, first and foremost, going back to the discussion that we had about quality control, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's paramount. First and foremost, quality control is going to determine the course of the business. And yes, there always seem to be something when it comes to quality, everything can be made perfect at a factory. And when it goes through the shipping system, something can get knocked around or damaged and it could arrive in an imperfect condition. Um, That's what insurance is for, but insurance doesn't cover the fact that this was a gift that needed to be there on that day. Now I got to figure something else out. Insurance doesn't cover things like that. So what we try our best to do is to make sure that the integrity of the packaging is right, the QC lines at the factory are being managed right, inspections are being done, Uh, before they go in the box. And then when they come in by us, we do spot checks as they get offloaded off the container. Um, There's a lot of different Mm -hmm. processes and procedures that are in place in order to be able to review the quality. The control part comes in, in the processes of what we do in response to what we find if there's an issue. Um, When there's an item, for example, um, a Zycar item that's uh, under warranty, that goes out of production, meaning it's being retired. It's, uh, it's, it's been out for X amount of years and um, uh, we're making room for new to come in and we cycle through that product. Um, in order to keep that going, what we do is we have um, opportunities to upgrade. Uh, at um, at a discount so if there's someone who has an item that's in warranty and it's not in production anymore or we don't have any remaining back stock in order to be able to exchange out uh, and it's out of service uh, then what we do is is um, we have uh, programs where we can uh, offer a discount for them to buy, right something that is in production right now. Maybe it's something that they aspire to have because it was just released and it it attracts them in some way. Um, And then what they they do is, is that they they get an upgrade at a discount. And then what happens is, is that they're in the warranty again. And with the new products that come out, we're constantly looking at any of the issues that occur from the previous products, which then with our relationships that we have with the factories, we come up with ways to improve the design and the manufacturing process to avoid as many or any of those issues that we had in the past. So it's, a, it's, it's always a go forward strategy.
0: Got it. There's a, a couple questions. One question we have is um, from Chad. What if the design on the cutter is peeling? Is that something that's covered under a warranty?
2: Um if, if there's something that's peeling, that's, um, that's an example of uh, the, the, manu- the integrity of the manufacturing process. If it's scratched, the answer would be no. If it's peeling, the answer would be yes, it would be it. covered. Okay. Um, unfortunately um, for the company, uh, and I guess fortunately for the creativity that, that, uh, that, that people have, um, what we saw before we acquired the company was that um, in, in certain message boards, there would be people going, hey, listen, you know, uh, don't worry. If, if you don't want your item and you want the new one, just take a hammer to your product and send it in and Zycar will give you the new one. Right. I don't necessarily, now that we've, we've owned the company now for five plus years and we're very intimate with uh, how things were from the due diligence, um, I, don't, I don't agree with that statement that that's right. what was done. But again, perception becomes the reality in some cases. So it's very important to just um, uh, be clear with what is covered. And um, like I said, the anything that happens to it during normal use or where, if you keep something in your pocket and your keys are scratching up against it or whatever, look, we try to make the items be as scratch proof as possible. Those, uh, the lighters that you showed in uh, earlier, Poop, um, are done with, with a UV process, it's very difficult to scratch that printing off. Um, yep. These are things that we're, we're figuring out, yeah, how to do with the technology that's available. And as it becomes more available and more economical, uh, it just makes sense to do things in those processes so that we don't have as many um, claims on uh, the integrity of print or the integrity of the paint or, or the plating process. Right, God.
0: no the other thing that kind of came with ZyCar was they had they had some they had some level of a field sales force. Did you guys have a field sales force before that, and how did you integrate that sales force into your model? We did not
2: have it, and um, when COVID came along, um, it we didn't have to let anyone uh, go because there was, um, like, like, like some companies had to in in this industry and even in different industries. Uh, so what we've always done is we've run an inside call center. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, we do have a sales force and there are now some remote sales positions that we have in different territories. Um, but, QI uh, has always, because we didn't have the boots on the ground, we have always spent the time to uh, contact the uh, companies that had the internet presence first. Right. um, Because they were the ones who were going to be able to get a picture of what we had up online for many, many people to see the quickest. So that was the fastest way that we can actually go to market without a ground force to go out there and meet everybody. Uh, we kind of did things backwards from the norm. Right. So right. we, we, we hit that first. And then as we grew, we got to know the stores and we got to um, speak with them and see them at the shows and, and, and build from there.
0: Got it. The, um, the one thing that I'm really, I, I mentioned this to you, I think when we were in the green room before the show, is I've seen your company really become more of a more in the way of consumer engagement, uh, especially over the last year or so, uh, which is different from, I think how you started out. I'm not saying you weren't consumer focused, but now I see a lot more that you're doing on the consumer engagement thing. Um, how would you Mm -hmm. assess and why did you guys decide to make that move?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's something that is necessary with the brand. So the first was we have to add brands to what we're doing. Otherwise, we're gonna get passed up. The second thing was with these brands, we have to have some way of pulling in the consumer to the stores to buy and to be communicated with. So that's something we're constantly working on. Um, the The successful brands uh, in the world do this. We see it. In our industry with the cigar companies, um, they're constantly doing um, consumer events. Um, because uh, the engagement with the consumer from the manufacturer's perspective, or in our case, from the from the brand owner's perspective, we need to make sure that not only do our does our team understand what we're offering, the scope of what we offer and how we do it, the retailer needs to understand so that they have what people are going to want in their store ready for sale. And then the consumer needs to know where they can go and find it. So it really is um, a triple effort that that messaging, and and we're going to be stepping it up even more because we have some plans. We're building out the communications of the company. I appreciate you calling to that because it has been something that is not only necessary, but something that we've been working hard to do and getting that message out. And, and to do that on the accessory side uh, is something that um, is, is very much needed because uh, the accessories uh, in this business only exist because cigars are manufactured and bought and sold. Without that, what's really the purpose of any of this stuff? So um, realizing uh, that we're always an accessory to the cigars, um, both um, by utility and purpose, uh, that we have um, in the in the food chain of, of this industry. We need to make sure that we uh, not only stay relevant, but um, put in the adequate amount of time to produce the items that are going to uh, help us stay relevant.
0: I I agree. I agree. So, you know, we've talked a lot about acquisitions, the brands, the products, but I think another thing that I, I've been impressed with, uh, quality importers is how you've invested in innovation. And we've talked about some of the technology, obviously, but a lot of innovation and, you know, there's things that come to mind, um, you know, revolution cutter last year, which by the way, works great for me with a guy who's getting a little arthritis. (laughs) Um, uh, recently, we just saw the new Zycar Perfect Cut. I mean, what what do you feel is like, what are some of the big innovations that you feel you've brought now um, in your tenure over the years? What are some of the what are some ones you're most proud of?
2: Well, going back to what I was saying regarding the humidors and the way that they were manufactured and sold, that was that was the biggest catalyst that launched the company forward in, in many different ways. Um, I think coming into the industry when we did um, was was very um, it was very interesting because, like I said, the the boom had had gone bust. We were coming in with product from from uh, China, and uh, there was a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Figuring out how to navigate through that. To this day, the humidor segment is the leader in the organization. Um, We we had to make it very easy to purchase, very simple to understand. And the quality had to be consistent enough to the point where people would overlook the fact that they got burnt previously buying something. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, And now they're going to invest in it. So that right there, I think really set the stage for the future of the company. Um, As far as the innovations, um, a lot of the innovations that we've had have been uh, with technology. Um, The automation process is something that we always have top of mind. Figuring out how to get the product from point A to point B in a more automated fashion. Is something that's going to just continue to pay dividends as long as we can figure out how to do more with less, and that's something that business has been dealing with for many years. Um, but um, when it comes to when it comes to this industry, especially on the accessory side, um, we have hard goods. They're not all consumable, and they have to be made in a way that are going to um, last and they also have to be something that is going to, um, not just last with quality, but also last by design. Um, It's hard because the first humidor that I ever created, this kind of uh, Victorian looking humidor um, is, is still purchased today, 23 years later. In the company that I came from with electronic components, Um, if, if you don't have a new product every 90 days, um, the competition just eats you alive. And here we have products where we're, we're coming out with, and we're saying, Hey, let's, let's offer this type of motif or let's go in this direction and offer this type of motif. And, uh, it's pretty slow to get adoption because there's this, there's, there seems to be this opinion that, um, a, a wooden humidor, a wooden desktop humidor, should look this way. Right. And and it's like okay, but look at what like a company like Restoration Hardware has done, where they can produce an item that's brand new, make it look like it's a hundred years old, have this reclaimed wooden look, something that just has character. Every piece is a little different. They're artisans. Um, these are the type of things that we like to. Um, try, experiment with, and innovate. And when you ask the question, you know, what are some of the things that we've done? Um, I'd say the how we do the business um, is encompassing of all of these different things that I'm mentioning. Because if we just go with what um, worked yesterday, then then tomorrow is just the same as yesterday was. hmm we have to make some space to come out with some things that maybe people um, would like. Maybe they're not ready for it yet because they haven't seen it elsewhere. Um, we're even open to ideas of what would you like to see us carry? Um, when I started out with that one humidor and all I had was that one item, um, we've built it up to the better part of 2,000 different SKUs now, cigar accessories. And sometimes I have to remind myself that there are that many. Um, Because you really, what what do you really need to smoke that cigar that you have? Right, you need something to 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 light it, and you know there's there's many different ways to light a cigar. Uh, All the other items are really uh, convenience and luxury. It's it's not it's it's not a necessity to have uh, a refrigerated humidor that can store two thousand cigars, but but we have it, and and people want it, and I think we're even talking about giving away one, aren't we? Yes. Why
0: don't we do that right now? Of, of the t- of
2: the towers, right? Yeah,
0: we could do that right now. It's a good it's a good point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna um put up a picture of the tower, and tell you how you could get through it because Joe is getting antsy. Don't forget about the humidor. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. So that's th- th- we're giving this away. Folks could see it. Um, this beautiful tower humidor um i'm not only cool. is, is that
2: is that the is that the is that the one um the color that that was chosen to or oh. or are we doing uh another color
0: that's a joe question this is the
2: picture i got <laughs> so yeah I, w- I wonder where yeah joe is let's see i think he's talking on uh yeah he's he's, on the, he's on the comments here <laughs> The real question is can the swag bunker print on this? Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So, so check it out. There's, there's two things I can tell you. Um, one at the Great Cliff booth this year at the, at the PCA show, we actually, uh, printed and wrapped one of these for, uh, for, for Pila Congri, who, cigar, who, um, she's, uh, she's a, um, very well known uh, DJ, artist, performer in New York City. And she um, she met Paolo from Great Cliff and he's doing a line of cigars for her. And we produced the humidor um, fully wrapped uh, with her artwork. Um, that was done in Swag Bunker, but we also have a machine now uh, where we can take that door off of the front and we can lay that door in the machine and we can we can print up the whole door Nice. Um, as well. So. So yeah. Yeah. We're 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 at that point. Yep.
0: Uh, according to Joseph, this is this is a two thousand count cigar tower with drawers, four shelves for box storage, as well as singles, and it includes a large hydro humidification system, which is my official electronic humidification system at the cigar cube humidors. So. Uh, um. So this is it. Um. I don't know about the. I didn't see Joe's comment on the color. So.
1: Yeah. He said this is the right. This is this the right is the color. right. Okay. Yep. So.
0: If you're, if you're watching this live, um, all you got to do in, in the comments is tell me, tell us your favorite QI product and hashtag it with hashtag QI. If you're watching, the, you can enter, you can enter this if you're watching the replay on the Facebook page as well, but you got to do it on the Facebook page. Um, even if you're on Apple download, you got to do it. And this will also be up on the Coop website where if you're, if you're watching or listening to this, you can enter a second time. So you'll, you know, if people are, you know, you'll have two chances to win. And I'll take uh, take both. Um, But it has to be a QI product. So if I find it's not a QI product, uh, I'll I'll have to, you know, I I have to, you know, that will be dequeued. But otherwise, um, we'll do that. And we will pick a winner at random next Friday, which is the 18th. Friday, the 18th is when we'll close it and then we'll pick a winner. And then Joe will personally deliver this. That's what I heard.
2: (laughs) So, so, Coop, I'm 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 looking on the comments on the on the Facebook Live. Is is there, is there a way to see the comments that that are older, or or is it just the ones that show on the screen? Like, is there, um, can you see all the comments?
1: It's tricky.
0: It's it. Yeah, the, it doesn't route. really
2: go very very far back.
0: Yeah, you have to kind of, on the re. When they watch the replay, you can go further back on the comments.
2: Ah, I see. Okay, so let me let me ask you this: do, Is do we know how many? Um, people are watching live right now uh, is there a count? we have about in four. the
1: top left hand of the screen we're seeing 40 see the-
2: we're seeing 41
0: 42 back and forth and then like i said okay. we get a lot of people on the downloads like a significant more will be like watching this on apple or listening to this on apple yeah
2: well for the for the 41 who are watching uh you know not counting not counting joe because he he's he, he works with us right so that would right. i guess that would be 40 <laughs> um it would be interesting to know it would be interesting to know what, uh, to know what everyone uh, thinks about this uh, the, the first of its kind interview here, and, um, and if there's any comments or if there's any questions that they want uh, uh, yeah, to yeah, feel- ask 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 me anything or you know whatever it is that they're feeling, it would be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, we feel free to do that um, in the comments, and uh, if you have that, we're getting uh, a lot of people in there as well. And Michael GNA says free. You have to keep that in mind. Um. Yep. Uh, Luigi says like our butane is the best. Uh. Yes, this is. I was telling Mike about this as well. This, this is my butane. Yeah. I I I swear by that butane. I've saved lighters with that butane. Um. Oh, so here's a question. This is a good lead into what I wanted to talk about next. Uh, Daniel wants to know what's your go-to cigar.
2: Yeah, I was just reading that. You know, it's it's interesting when I have the chance to sit down and enjoy a cigar. Uh I love the 1964 Padron.
1: Nice. Are you a Maduro
2: or natural? Great question. Um I'll smoke both, but uh generally I seem to go to the natural more. Okay. Yeah.
0: Any size in particular?
2: The Exclusivo.
0: That's the one. That's the one I love. Yeah. Yeah uh and by the way sean miles echoes my thing about zycar butane changing uh, high performance butane changing its life absolutely <laughs> yep um mike you had a you know i smoked these cigars years ago cult so you've you've yeah. been in the cigar business before uh talk about the experience you had with cult and would you ever consider maybe doing a cigar again because those were really good cigars I enjoyed those cigars a lot. They had they had a yeah, cult so, following. So, they had a cold following is what they did. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they're 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 actually still available. So they're they're being they're still being produced by uh, Tagasa in uh, uh, by Carlos Sanchez at Tagasa okay. uh, SA in, in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're exclusively sold retail um, on the on the internet. I think Cigar Pages is is the, is the site that has them. It's it's um they they have the exclusive royalty on that. Okay. So it's still live. It's still out there. It's still being produced by the same uh, factory, and um, and we are going to be um, launching uh, distribution of exactly what you just mentioned, um, a cigar line uh, of our own under uh, our own uh, brand. And we're going to be doing that um, um, soon. And it's going to be promoted with uh, our accessories and the swag bunker. So it's, it's going to be pretty much full circle.
0: Wow. That's great news. That's great news. That's awesome. And you, there are some of those acquisitions you got. I know some of those companies dabbled in cigars as well. I mean, I know that the, uh, the Orleans poly- had a-
1: did as well, too.
0: What's that? Yeah.
1: Orleans did. Just that- Orleans
0: did. That's
2: right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Good.
0: good
1: the Dram, I think, right? I think the Drams yeah, and also
2: would have- They also had a philosophy series, too, but we didn't acquire that while oh. we did the, mm-hmm. uh, the deal. Okay. By the way, Jay, uh, Jay Davis asked if there was a, a, a Pulp uh, Blood Red Moon as well. Yes, there is a Blood Red Moon cigar, and there's also- um, a, a very successful line of blood, red moon, um, pipe tobacco and tins that STG carries. Okay. Um, so that's, that's also, um, out there as well.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, so that's awesome. And, um, like I said, that factory is kind of a, like I said, they did, I've had other stuff at that factory too. They're, they're very good stuff. So,
2: yeah, yeah, they they were. Um, he's last I heard, uh, Carlos is is now um, full circle, growing his own tobacco, curing it, um, trading it, using it for blends, uh, and is is doing more um, manufacturing for other brands in the industry as well.
0: Yep, no, that's that's great. That's great to hear. We're getting a lot of people uh, putting in on the humidors there as well. So uh, for. for Humidoids, a lot of people mention Humidor for their favorite products, too. Um, so that's awesome. You know, another thing um, that I noticed almost about a year ago, um, you got into the world of NFTs. And you came out with some NFT, you know, some art that you worked on with that. And I I, yeah. I got the impression from when the press release came out, you're really into the NFTs.
2: Yeah, so there's different NFTs. I'm interested in the one-of-ones, the, um, the one-off, non-series. Right, um, uh, artworks that um, that are predominantly um, oil on canvas or acrylic on canvas, and then digitized and, and minted into an NFT. Uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, and then is the uh, is the digital art. So some some of the art is uh, in fact um, never a physical piece, uh, but it just uh, starts as a digital and then gets minted. Um, on the blockchain and becomes an NFT. There are uh, artists that I have met um, in uh, an NFT community on Twitter. And um, I had asked them to commission some custom pieces for us that we would put onto humidors and actually start to get into the, uh, the e-comm channels um, that we have uh, Amazon and the like. And uh, it's, it's a really nice way to be able to help, uh, artists who are um, not really familiar with the business side of of what they do Um, they create art and they try to figure out how to sell it and it's it's a humongous space that um, they're trying to figure out Um, and it's it's a struggle for a lot of people because they do their art they mint it and they put it up and then it's like okay well now you got to market it and now you got to know what to price it as and what what digital currency are you going to use? And that's bouncing up and down every minute of the day next to your currency, next to the US dollar. You can list something for one price and then the currency can turn against you. And and it's like, you know how how do you get any semblance of sanity with that? So I thought to myself, uh, as I started meeting these artists and getting to know them, that if I can figure out how to put some of their art on products through the Swag Bunker program that we have, and get it out into the um, to, into the, the world of retail um, that uh, it could be uh, not only a way for them to um, advertise what they do uh, in a channel that they normally would never dabble in but also have a way to make a couple extra bucks with a royalty That's great. Um, and 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 get some uh, some idea of, of, of what what uh, what balance in the marketplace could be rather than just totally erratic up and down every day and just, um, driving them insane. And uh, I've, I've been in, I've been in spaces with, um, with these, these artists and I've spoken with them and they're, they're all, they're all over the world and they're, they're, they're extremely talented. And, and there's just so much that's possible with, um, with what's developing. Um, I think that, uh, NFT has got a weird rap because uh, it's kind of like the Wild West um, and people are bidding all sorts of amounts of money that make no sense on things that, you know, they're wondering why anyone is bidding anything on them. Uh, kind of like um, back in the back in the dot com bubble on on Wall Street, where companies that made no money were getting these like enormous valuations and it was just a matter of time. Um, I think that when it comes to uh, one of one pieces of art, um, yeah that's 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 it right there. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to one of one pieces of art it's um, it doesn't only have a collectible value, but um, the stories behind it and learning about the artists it just really. Uh, is is the, in the beginning phases of bringing what the future of NFTs is is going to be, and um, and uh, I'm I'm looking more forward to developing that. Of course, we've also seen uh, some NFT projects in our industry, yep. and um, that's that's along the lines like what we saw with um, uh, with what Lido did. I think that that is an that is an example. It's one example of how NFTs are, are going to have utility going forward. Um, you, know, you could probably even see uh, something like title insurance for your house uh, or a title for a car uh, or something like that um, be in the form of an NFT. The, the title policy will be an NFT. And, and uh, it's going it's to change the way we all transact and, and do business. That's going to revolutionize it um but um in the meantime there's this kind of wild west component to it no
0: it's it, it's beautiful i said you're using and you got swag bunker which brings this to life in your products which i think is is great
2: yeah yeah and it's it's fun too because um just like the benefit for our customers to be able to do short runs well we can do short runs on this you know like mm-hmm. these pictures that you're showing are nfts that i had purchased and um we we own the nft and then if we if we print up a couple pieces and, and, and we put it up online and we see if there's interest if there's if there's interest, we print it if not, we create another one mm-hmm. and we just keep doing that until we start to see what sticks and it's it's a way that we can um, have win-win situations. The artist gets some support, we get some creative artwork to display on, on our products. Uh, we get to uh, show this, uh, creativity, uh, to the marketplace, uh, and separate ourselves from what we were doing before and separate ourselves from what other people are doing. Um, and, um, what's interesting is, is that the more ideas that we come up with, uh, the more the creativity flows and we come up with newer ideas that are better than the ones before. So okay. it's, um, it's a process. It's fun.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, we got a question from Stacy. She wants to know your favorite cigar and beverage pairing.
2: Well, the favorite, the favorite cigar and the go-to is the Padron. And, um, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, that you asked that question. So there is a, there is a family reserve. There is a Cuervo family reserve. Uh, and, and mind you, this is, this is what the Cuervo family, uh, is, is making for, for them to drink, not the Cuervo gold, right? We all had bad experiences with that one back in the day. um, I, someone put me onto that, and um, it's 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 remarkable pairing. Um, it's a sipping tequila. It's an extra añejo, aged more than three years, and um, and it's it's just it's really really good. When I can get my hands on that, I do that. Um, there's also um, there's also a rum um, that um, that that comes from the DR. And the name escapes me right now, but it's it's the one that um, the cigar manufacturer makes. I'm not sure if, you, if you're familiar with the name. It's a bottle of it sitting on my desk.
1: Diplomatico? Um,
2: I, I, well, Diplomatico is from Venezuela, I think. Diplomatico is, 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 a, is a Venezuelan yeah. uh, rum. But um, the, um, there, there's there's a rum that one of the cigar manufacturers makes over in, in the DR, and uh, that's that's fantastic, too. Uh, that 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 pairs incredibly well with with Maduro cigars from that region.
0: Very nice. Oh,
2: this is Mike. This is what I call oh, it. Was I, I think? Yeah, Le, uh, uh, Leon Jimenez, Maduro. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. all yeah, that's great rum. That's, that, that's you uh, know yeah. which one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic rum. Yeah. Fantastic rum. Michael, this is what I call a cattle baron steak question of the night. Um, I want to know basically your favorite steakhouse to go to.
2: Favorite steakhouse. Hmm. You know, that there, there's, there's no one favorite. There's, there's so many, you know what it is? Um, some, some people join country clubs, uh, because they, they, uh, they go out on the golf course and they, they have their meetings. They, they enjoy golf. They do business. Um, I don't golf, but I like to do that in restaurants. So my retreat is, is in a restaurant. I do business in a restaurant. I catch up and talk in a restaurant. Um, And there's so many incredible restaurants. um, And it really comes down to, three factors. There's the food, the service, and the company that you're with. And sometimes a fourth, which is the ambiance. Um, when you have alignment of all of those, that's the best restaurant. Um, yeah. When it, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to, um, yeah, I, I just, I'd probably have to say right now because I, I can't pick one. Um Bizarre okay. Meet in Vegas.
0: All right. You're you're in my club. <laughs> yeah. I love that play. I beat yeah, there with yeah, Joe Groh, by the way. I've been there with Joe Groh.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible because you we know We be beat the, there with Joe the, Groh, um, I should
0: say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The, the there's there's a the the first bazaar that I went to was the one on South Beach in Miami, mm-hmm. um, and um, when I heard that Jose Andres opened up a place over at the SLS, or at the time it was the SLS over in Vegas, um, and and I went there, uh, it was it was an incredible experience. Again, it was the food, the service, the ambiance, and the company, um, and all of those were in alignment with each other. And um, I, I yeah, I'd say that one,
3: right. Nice.
0: All right, uh, this is what we call, this is our um, what I call the ties that bind question. I'm going to ask you. It's uh, And it's brought to you by Tobacco Lurea USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo, Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Area USA, great things are happening here. So, Michael, I'm going to name three things to you, okay? And okay. the idea of this is you just got to tell me what they all have in common. So, it's kind of a little bit of a riddle, but uh, a little fun segment we do with our guests here. All right. And Aaron doesn't know the answer to this either. So here are the three things. The first thing is a pine tree. The second thing is a compass, and the third thing is a phonograph. A pine tree, a compass, and a phonograph. And our audience can answer this as well. A needle. Dan, yep. you got it right. <laughs> Bingo. All have needles. Good job. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't know if the question is too easy or too hard. By the way, and I, I thought something is easy, something is hard. I thought this one was gonna be a little harder, but no, good, good job, yeah, excellent, Thank you. excellent, excellent. Uh, there was a question about the origin of the Paleo name. Do you know the origin of the Paleo name?
2: I didn't know the original founder um, to ask him that question, but um, we um, we did some research on it. And um, we, we were we were finding a couple of different things and directions that it could go in. Um, what I find very interesting is the way people pronounce it. There's like there's this paleo. There's some people say paleo. Yep. Mm-hmm. And some people say, uh, paleo. Mm-hmm. So just like just like when uh, I first saw Zykar, I was like, what is it? and this is like. 20 years ago. And I saw it and I was just like, "exacar." is that? And then (laughs) I heard, I heard, I heard, uh, I think it was Scott say that it was um, uh, she-car was, um, was the word for cigar. Um, I forget what language uh, he said it was in, but, um, but that's how, that's how uh, it was pronounced uh, to be the word cigar in that language. Um, But the, the origin of, uh, of paleo, um, I don't, um, I, I, had, I had checked into it before, but I, I don't, uh, I don't recall it. At okay. The moment.
3: Okay. Yeah. Good,
0: good. That's fine. That was one of our questions here. Um, okay. So, um, someone said it came from a BBS, an old bulletin board system.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Sean was saying that uh, it kind of the name kind of came about from uh, the BOTL forums back in right, the day. Right.
0: And then right, had,
2: because, had that... I'm sorry, yeah, because because um, uh, Mark Mark Aub was, was the was the one who who had the company and it was Brothers of the Leaf that he was part of that that group, yeah. right? Yeah. The BOTL. Yep. Yeah,
0: they had that they, and they had that Essencia cigar, I remember, years ago, mm-hmm. which was a pretty good cigar.
2: So what's interesting is is that um, the, the the Palio, P A L I O, um, was um it was a it was a traditional horse race in Italy. So I don't necessarily like I said we, we looked up these things and we and we found some avenues, but I can't say for sure like that that has any relevance to right. uh, the product name.
0: All right. All right. I'm going to ask you some more rapid questions to wrap it up tonight. Um, This is what we call Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about that cigars live true. So these are are just some general questions I'm going to ask you um, kind of along the lines, just get the folks to know you a little better. We've been definitely getting to know you a lot tonight. And the first question I want to say is I heard also you dabble in wine.
2: Yeah, so before the acquisition for Zycar, um we uh, decided to launch a brand of uh, Cabernet uh, out of uh, Napa Valley. So, in two thousand and nine, I went to. Um, let me just let me just get uh, a plug over here so that my battery doesn't run out. In 2009, we went over to, um, to Napa Valley, uh, actually with Carlos Sanchez, uh, who we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And he introduced us to all of these different, uh, wineries and, and vineyards and stuff like that. And, uh, I met somebody who is a, um, broker for, um, for different wineries and, um, fast forward to 20, 17 and we're looking to have a little passion project and we create this wine and um it's a 2016 vintage we did 300 cases and we um we have it sitting in barrels getting ready to go into bottles and um the only thing we knew about wine is really how to drink it but we figured hey you know that this this could be cool right so um the Zycar acquisition comes up and we kind of forget about it because we just get so wrapped up in, in this deal. And then we realize that it's sitting in these old barrels for longer than normal. And the only problem with that is, is that it evaporates. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it gets bad. It just starts to go away. <laughs> it just starts to disappear. So um, we, we decide to take it out of the barrels, put it into bottles. And then we're like, okay, well, let's just bring it in here and then we'll figure out what to do with it. But we, we quickly realized that unlike everything that we do in our business, we can't just bring it in. We're not licensed to bring it in. Mm-hmm. We have to import it into our state. So we figure out how to do that. We find a, um, a distributor who can handle it. And then we're like, okay, well, let's figure out how to do this. Then COVID hits and no one's going to restaurants and the whole liquor business is booming, but it's booming in a different way. And again, I kind of feel like I was 20 years before Getting into the cigar industry, not knowing what I didn't know. And I'm saying, okay, well, I have a lot more experience than I did back then, but I don't know how this, this wine business works. Um, so we we determined that the best way that we can try to get this sold, like we did with the cigar business, is to get like we went to the e-commerce catalog companies instead of the, the brick and mortar stores first. I said, well, why don't we try to get the wine into restaurants first so that when people buy it, they immediately drink it as opposed to the stores who are going to say, no one knows what this is. I put it on my shelf and they're going to ask me what it is. They don't know what it is. And then they may buy it and put it on their shelf at home or give it to someone and they're going to put it on their shelf. So I said, the best way to do it is to give it to a restaurant. Um, Okay. So how are we going to do that now? A lot of restaurants are closing, but the restaurant's in our area that we have uh, supported over the years, um, we said, well, w- maybe we can throw like a, a quality importers dinner. Um, would, would you would you guys uh, allow us to like get a seating for 60 and bring everyone over? And they're just like, are they gonna come? I go, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I got this wine I want you to try. So we actually ended up serving the, the first sale was to the restaurant to serve our our right. dinner. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the, the restaurant tried it. And then they saw everyone trying it, liking it, everyone liked it. So then they started carrying it. And then as COVID started to dissipate, like they started running with it. So we literally launched the wine during COVID in restaurants by throwing supporting dinners to the restaurants and giving our staff uh, a reason to get out because everyone was like, I I don't want to sit at home anymore. Like, let's go out. If this restaurant is open, can we go? So it was again, like a win, win, win to launch something that we really didn't have a great idea on how we were going to do it. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's the story with that. And little by little, um, it just kind of makes its way into, uh, uh, some stores and restaurants and, um, about half of the uh about half of the production's been sold we we haven't been pushing it too much because i'm working now trying to get the next vintage so i right. don't want to run out because right. just like with cigars if you run out and and the brand is 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 in the climb, it'll just it'll go right We yeah, move, move on to
1: something else right
2: yeah that's awesome and it's called la pistolina right la pistolina yeah little little gun
0: yep very nice that's that's awesome that's all. But you, we could find—is like, this wine's available? Like you could find it in places, right? Or is it still restaurants?
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's on the. There's an app on the iPhone called Vivino. It's the Vivino app, and you can actually look up La Pistolina. There are people who have been putting up um, uh, comments and ratings and stuff like that. So it's it's uh, it's a good way to to be able to track it. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. I'm hearing people uh, want to try it. All right. My um, next question is: What's your favorite movie? The Godfather. All right. <laughs> Man, I love this guy. One and two.
3: Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah and that's going
0: to be the next question.
1: It's always a long <laughs> question. You got to get one and two. What's your favorite watch? Did you watch, ba- did you watch the, the series about, the fictional series about how it was made? What was it called? Yeah. The Coop. Oh, um,
2: is that, um, Aaron, is that the one where it shows the outtakes of like the auditions?
1: No, this is uh, kind of like how how the movie came about and how you know getting the actors and all that process and uh...
2: because I remember I remember seeing um, some video of uh, Al Pacino kind of auditioning for the movie.
3: Mm, yeah, yeah. And I
2: thought it was I thought it was part of uh, like a like a like a like a bigger feature that was talking yeah. about the making of it. That might have been it. Yeah,
1: The Offer. The Offer. Yeah, I thought of The about Offer. It. Yep. Yeah. So there's a series called The Opera. I, I want to say maybe six episodes or something like that. Yeah. Uh it's really, it's really well done. It's I don't I don't know how much I don't know how much of it's true versus how much how much made up, but it's pretty interesting on how the whole process was. It's it's from the eye of the produ- of um uh, the producer and like how they get uh you know, how they get some of the actors, how they get the you know the, some of the locations, like all this, how this process worked to, to be able to make the movie actually happen. So,
2: yeah, what's interesting is is that you can go onto YouTube and you can actually watch someone um, dissect a given scene from the movie and decode it. Mm-hmm. It's that I I have. I have probably as much fun watching those as I had watching the full-length feature film, mm-hmm. um, because you you start to get perspectives of why someone did this or someone did that, and you realize just how much deeper the movie goes, yeah. as compared to when you just kind of sat and, and just watched it straight through. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, before we um, there's there's a lot of good comments on here. It looks mm-hmm. like there's there's over uh, 200 comments already, and yep. uh, let's let's see. We're and, 209, um, my count says, yeah. So um so yeah, why don't why don't we uh why don't we do so? I know that the tower that we're doing um is is going to um. Is gonna is gonna go for you said like the next two weeks and there's gonna be a lot of other people commenting yep. and stuff mm-hmm. like that right okay yeah why don't why don't we just, i think I think we should do something for those who've kind of like hung out here for two hours and uh yep and um and spent the time you know sure like yeah what what are what do you what do people what do you guys what do you guys like what do you want like let's get some comments
0: yeah get some comments of, of if there's something you want uh and we'll see if michael could deliver on it
2: We'll see what comes in. Yep. But yeah, this is cool. Do you guys, do you guys make it down, uh, to to Florida, to Miami?
0: I, I do more, more, uh, I, I do. I do. Um, and I know you're having a big event this weekend too.
2: Yeah. So, so we have, um, we have the official, uh, launch party of the, uh, of the collaboration between uh, Jacob and company and Zykar with the uh, dragon cutter and some other uh, museum pieces. And we're throwing, we're throwing a little party over at the St. Regis hotel in Bal Harbor, Miami. So it's um, it, it should be, it should be a good time.
0: Yeah. I do make it, to, a, it. I can't make it this week. And Joe did mention to me and i I can't, um, but I do get to Florida on a regular basis. So.
2: Yeah. Well, these are the type of things that um, based on, the, the uh, response so far, of course, we'll measure the turnout, but based on the response so far, it looks like this is something that um, we're probably gonna look to do once a year when it comes to uh, releasing special collaborations mm-hmm. uh, and being able to get um, people from the industry there, uh, whether it's, um, whether it's uh, certain manufacturers or, or certain key retailers, uh, or even um, people from uh, Jacob's List, um, who are coming down from New York, um, and, um, and and also people from uh, the media. So you know, you're certainly welcome for that. Thank you. And yeah. uh, if if you guys, if either of you are ever down uh, in the South Florida area, um, just just be sure to reach out to us and let us know you're in town because you know we can, we can show you, we can show you the place. I'd love to. Pool yeah,
0: pool. I'd love to. Absolutely, I'm going to take you guys up on that.
1: Um.
2: So we'll lots get,
3: of
1: people saying cutters uh revolution uh tabletop cutter uh um, nft cutter <laughs> how, how is uh
0: what
2: what what is the group what is the group who's with us tonight think of the revolution is there nope, is there was there, a comment um,
0: on the revolution there was one asking for the revolution yeah 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 uh, i'm a big fan of the revolution like i said it, it uh it is a cool cutter
2: what, what do you think what, what should should we should we do a revolution I think the revolution will be cool yeah okay all right so so let's say so how so how how should we do this what do you think um how do we
0: want to do this so right. either we could
1: ask a question from something earlier in the show see who is listening yep or we could do it a little bit non doesn't have to be show related to yep to make it work, yeah. How easy we, we want to make it easier or
2: hard? I mean, we can. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take your lead on that. You okay. you uh, you let me know what what usually works best.
1: Okay. What is the name of Michael's wine? <laughs> and
0: I need a hashtag on that, okay? So I can pull the so I can pull the winners. Um. Well, so I thought what's... we're
1: gonna pick them right now. Do I pick it right now? <laughs> I don't know. You can... <laughs> if it's gonna be for the people watching the show, right? You don't need to catch up on hashtags. Okay. Yep. But who who gets it then? Because there's a bunch of. All answers. right, let's go through go through a couple more questions that you have for Michael, and then we'll 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 grab it. Okay. So, um, Michael, what's your favorite band
0: or favorite bands or artists, musical artists? Pink Floyd. Nice, nice. Favorite album?
2: Wow. Um, yeah, you, these these are these are hard questions because uh, <laughs> there's there's so there's so many in, impactful songs on so many different albums. Um, you know, I'm going to say The Wall, and I'll tell you why. I agree. Um, th- because in uh, senior year of high school, actually. Sophomore year or junior year of high school going into senior year. um, I was playing in a band. I play piano. I play keyboards. And um, I was in a band and they said, you know what what we should do in senior year? We should perform the wall from beginning to end. So we actually, over February 27th, 28th, and 29th in 1992, we performed the wall from beginning to end. We had Hofstra University, which was on, on the island. Hofstra University, um, uh, their music division helped orchestrate the score for the orchestra, the Philharmonic Orchestra uh, in Massapequa High School. Um, we wrote uh, the backup uh, vocals for the acapella choir to, to perform there. We we had a company produce styrofoam blocks and we built the wall while we were doing the show. And we had some of the animations and it was right, uh, right after when Roger Waters did that, um, that show in Berlin with the, with the wall coming down. If if you remember that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we were inspired by that production. And um, I just, I, I got introduced to uh pink floyd uh from being in that band and playing that album um and it's funny because to this day i could just like sit down at the piano and, and play all the songs on, on the wall on the, on the piano which is it's kind of kind of cool but yeah I'd, I'd say that that's the one
0: nice nice i was just going through the comments there um so uh all right, next question um, for you is: uh, We only have a couple more to go. Country you'd like to visit that you haven't visited yet?
2: Italy. You haven't been to Italy? Oh wow! I haven't yet. No, yeah. You know, hey, you want to hear something that's funny? I've never been to China. Oh, wow!
1: <laughs> wow! It doesn't want to see how the sausage is made, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, What's a spectator sport you enjoy? (sighs)
2: Spectator sport. Um, Hmm. Bullfighting, nice. <laughs> that's
0: a good. One. I, told, I always I want to go. I actually something I've always wanted to go see. Yeah, I, that's a good one. All right, dream car to drive. A Pagani. Nice, mm-hmm. very nice. And the last question I have for tonight: If you had a reality show about Michael Giordano, what would the title of it be? Why bother? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so we should close out with who won this prize, Aaron. All right, so I put in the chat. What, what two are, names.
2: What, how, how many? Wait, before we just how, how many how many responded?
0: There weren't a lot who had the name right. Yeah, there were like, a lot. Of like who like if, if
2: they if they spell okay, how many how many had the name uh, oh, close completely correct? Yeah, how many had it correct? I
1: think there was two that. Two that had it fully correct. I see three. Okay, That's I put so- two in the chat for you, Coop. So if you add the third one, and then we just took from those group or whatever. All right, we had. Uh... Wait, let me see who you had in the chat here. Um.
0: All right. All right. Yeah. So, all right. Give me, give me uh, a number, Michael. Uh, give me heads or tails. And heads tails. will be the first. Tells Richard Johnson is the winner. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. So, congratulations to Richard. Uh, I'll uh, um, do me a favor. I will c- connect with you. Um, connect with me. I'll connect you to Facebook Messenger. But if you're not on Messenger, uh, send me an email: coop at cigar-coop dot com.
2: So, so how many? So, how many were there? Three total. It was two. Yeah, it was two. It right, I did, I, I saw two. I saw
1: there two. There was two. Two that had it in by the time we were ready to pick. Yeah, that's okay, what we said. Okay, two say. had
2: it in. Okay, so so why don't we do this? Why don't you? Why don't you do two, one of each, on those? Okay. And then because I saw a bunch of people write, but they probably spelled it wrong. Right. Let's just try to let's just try to like uh, come up with one more thing to okay. give them like a second chance, and we'll we'll like offer something. And let's see what else should we offer here.
0: So we, have, we just said say that again. You said for so we have the one winner for the
2: revolution. So two, two yeah, revolutions. So, so that two revolutions. Were, do, do two revolutions. Yep. For, yep. And, and then, then we're going to do something else person. for the people that yeah, spend So Buddy
0: Warren's the other one with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay.
0: All right. Congrats. So.
2: And then, and then we, we saw that there were um, uh, several mentions, but maybe it wasn't completely right. They got so the wine confused let's say, with
1: the uh, lighter.
2: Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. So let's let's do something to just kind of like, like give okay. the uh, give the ability to to get something else again. Let's see what what else do what else do people want to see? Should we stick with the revolution, or should we try? something No, do else? something different. Let's do something different with that. Okay. Good. Let's do something different. How about um, how about one of the new Humidor Supreme Arias? It's a three hundred dollar retail value.
0: Let's do that. There you go we want to put another question
1: in aaron or do we pick from that how do we want to do, you want to pick uh, from... what, what what do you want to do and ask another question what, what do you want to ask you want to ask another question I thought, or... I, made, I thought i made it super easy but apparently spelling's hard so yeah we're gonna figure oh. this out <laughs> all right
0: uh another, so i got another question here um that we talked about
1: today i mean Are... you could, okay I mean, we could make it really easy. Like, what was Michael's favorite movie? Like, I mean, this is this is it's a three hundred dollar humidor. <laughs> it's, I know, but the three hundred dollar humidor. It's, uh... <laughs> All right,
0: the company that was acquired that led to
1: the swag bunker. Okay, oh, what's the name of that it, company? You made it really hard now, Coop. Three hundred dollar. Joe told me make it hard. Yeah, yeah, they. <laughs> If we get one right, I'll be shocked. Is that too hard? I okay, know <laughs> Well, we got one disqualified or answer already. We, we, we this is <laughs> industry, industry members. people are
0: not, industry people are not, are eligible. People are not eligible, guys. I'm not eligible. i, I, I will accept,
2: just... accept the first name of it, actually. So we're getting pe- we're, get, we're getting we're getting answers.
1: We're getting answers, yeah, all from people in the just... industry. <laughs> okay, there's one. I there's got There we go. Yeah. There are
0: answers in there. All right, they're starting to roll through. Yeah, they're starting to roll through.
1: Yep, they're pouring in.
2: Okay, so so that so is there is there a way for you to like calculate how many came in like as of right now?
0: Let's stop it right. We'll stop it now. Now. Yeah, Good. I'm stopping it now. So I put the word stop. <laughs> All right. So we have one,
1: um, okay. I'm at one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. A lot of
0: people got it. I mean, the first, I'm fine with this, is the first name of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're
1: not seven. trying. To... We got seven.
2: And those are seven unique ones?
1: Yes. Seven unique
0: people. Okay. Yes.
2: Okay, cool. Everyone gets an aria. I feel like Oprah.
1: Boom. Everybody gets
0: you.
2: everyone. Wow. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> wow. Nice.
1: That's very we have the seven thank
0: names <laughs> 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 Do You have the seven names. I'm gonna go back through here.
1: Yeah, this uh I'll 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 start writing them down right now. Okay, thanks. I'll pull. That'd be great. Yeah, just uh, appreciate
0: it. So we have like we gave away two revolutions and and seven arias. Wow.
2: Michael, I can't yes. thank you. Yeah. And then and then we'll and then we'll see. I'll I'll follow along and I'll make sure I I keep an eye on what happens over the next couple of weeks with the tower.
0: Okay. yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on it. Like I said, we're going to open that up for our website people, too. Um, So they'll have a chance to win that. Um, And and like I said, anyone who entered tonight uh, or is entering on the Facebook page, you get a second entry because this will be up on the Coop website tomorrow morning. So you can re-enter and get that second entry. I'll count it. You know, you get you get an extra shot at that. Um, nice. And you can, and anyone who want, anyone who commented and won can win the can win the humidor as well. So we'll make it. We'll make it. Uh, you could be a double winner. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow, that was very nice. generous,
2: My, Michael. That was very generous. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. That's, Thanks for uh, having
2: us on your program tonight and spending the time.
0: Thank you for spending the time as well. You went two hours with us. We know you're busy and it's your personal time. Um, and uh, you are welcome back anytime.
2: Awesome. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep the ball rolling and let's see if we can't um, uh, come up with a a really cool way to just uh, uh, be able to express what we're working on so that uh, it doesn't take me another 23 years to get on a program.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're always welcome here. Um, It was it was fascinating getting to know you personally, learning this whole story. Uh, I learned a lot tonight. Uh, I think our audience did. Um, for an accessory show, this is probably you know, we've had an incredible turnout tonight. Um, we so we do appreciate it as well. as well as the whole support of your team. Um, we've gotten great support as well from that. and of course the products speak for themselves. so I, I don't know this is great.
2: Yeah, absolutely great. And nice to meet you too, Aaron. and yep, um, thank you, Michael. If there's uh, if there's anything that I can do or we can do uh, you know from from here, just you know how to reach us, let us know.
3: Absolutely. If anything
2: come, if anything comes up to you guys where people are asking about uh, about this um, this program that we did tonight, um, please reach out to me as well. Um, yep, I can answer anything that comes up after.
0: We'll, we'll feed those as well. So we appreciate that. Yeah. So if you get those comments here, you know, if we catch them, or if you want to just email them to coop at cigar-coop that probably is the best way. I won't miss the question through an email. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So encourage that as well. Um, and we do like I said, we do appreciate you, Michael. Um, and uh, thank you so much.
3: Yep.
2: Absolutely. Have a great night, guys.
0: Uh, you too. You too. Thank you. We'll That's, see you. All right. Take care. That is Michael Giordano of um, Quality Importers Trading Company, the, the chief executive officer here. We have some more stuff to do, Aaron, tonight. Yeah. So I'm going to actually just run through a couple of the quick sponsors and then we will get into this. Um, but you want to stay tuned on that. And by the way, if you missed the uh, humidor giveaway, I'll, I'll post it up one more time uh, in a little while, so you'll have another case you missed it earlier on. But um, let me mention, um, of course, JRE Tobacco Company. Um, the uh, excuse me, the authentic coro leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, Cuba was the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamas Run Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully introduced authentic corojo back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and Satusto bring their very own brand to market. And each contain the authentic Carrillo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the upcoming release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your oak jail, Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And just a a note, I'm going to run through the commercial. We won't have another commercial break after this, guys. Uh, We're going to be talking about the uh, big news this week, of course, about the FDA. So stay tuned on that. Uh, I want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact uh, that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection, the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padrone, Drew Estate, Perdomo, Gurkha, and Oliva. They have the best selection, best customer service, and money saving discount uh, cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke magazine. Cigar aficionado wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at Corona's website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I want to mention J.C. Newman, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For Four generations and 127 years, JC Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. JC Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113 year old cigar factory in the Ebor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hall, JC Newman's premium cigars by hand and hand operated antique cigar machines, including the All American Cigar, the American as well as the Anjo Cuesta. The J.C. Newman Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a Brickhouse, Perla de Mar, El Baton, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by at A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, Newman's founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. Of course, we want to mention Casa Cuevas cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars with many industry leaders out of Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserva line, and, of course, their latest release, Sangre Nueva. If you don't carry it, be sure to ask your local reserve for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars, from our casa to yours. So we're going to get into our Espinosa This Day in Sports History question before we get into the deliberation segment. And that's sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning brands such as Espinoza, 601, and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinoza, smoke Espinoza every day. All right, Aaron, let's see if you can get these questions tonight. <laughs> All right, There's two questions tied together. Yeah. Uh, we are going, the, the date is, in sports history, August 10th. 1981 mm. there was a yeah. slate games played on that day aaron what was significant about those august 10th days in 1981
1: i i'm really not sure on this one this is i was i was four years old at the time okay uh it was a
0: big this? deal that these games were played on this particular night in the summer of
3: 1981 because something happened that summer, eighty-one. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to get it. Okay,
0: I'll give it to you. Major League Baseball resumed play after a two-month strike.
3: Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: On that night, the Cardinals played the Philadelphia Phillies. And on that particular night, Pete Rose broke a record on that night. What was that record?
1: Was it the hit record? I mean, yep, it was a okay. right. hit record for NL
0: hit record. Stan Musial's NL hit record with his 36 yeah. 31st hit.
1: Okay.
0: Yep. I actually thought that was going to be the harder one. Uh the strike I guess the strike one was really up, op- yeah. I think they actually played the all-star game the day or two before they resumed these games. Oh, okay. I think they actually played, they didn't cancel the all-star game that year. And they came back for the all-star game. Yeah. And then they resumed play with, and it was the
1: split season. They did. Yeah, I guess I need brush up on my MLB labor disputes. Um, Yeah. Yep.
0: That, that, that was a, I knew it was a little tougher, but all right. that's all right. That's all right. Got to make right. it tough
1: sometimes. All right.
0: All right. So let's get into our Dumbarton, uh, Tobacco and Trust Deliberation segment. Of course, it's always brought to you by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the half wheel Consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Corita Tricky Traca and 2022 with the Mi Corita Black Saka Khan. Visit DT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Okay, Alan, uh Aaron, there's two things I had tonight. All um, right. let's hit the big one. Uh we all talked about this uh FDA decision here. Mm-hmm. Um and I think everyone knows the news. Um we'll we'll break it down a little more. But let me ask the first question. The, you know, when when about a year ago we knew that the judge was gonna do some remediation as far right. as the uh as far as the regulations go, were you surprised that it was vacated?
1: Um, I don't know that I'm super surprised it was vacated Um, because it just seemed like there were a lot of, that the judge had a lot of issues with the way the FDA had kind of gone about things. So I'm not sure I'm surprised that it's vacated, Um, like if if you're thinking about it logically, but just like just knowing how things kind of hit the cigar world that, you know, you're like, you know, there's not, another shoe's going to drop kind of a thing. So there's a bit of a surprise, I guess, there that like such good news came for the cigar industry, I guess.
0: I was surprised. I thought I didn't think he was going to completely throw it out, but it sounded like the FDA just kind of stood pat and didn't do anything either. Um, based on those briefings, I guess that they were submitted. So maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should not have been surprised is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised uh, on it. Um, so what, I have a few things I want to just, ask and get your thoughts sure. on um first of all there was like incredible celebration yesterday
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was, and, and right, I, I, i'm really not, i'm really not sure who to thank for this that was my moment. question like like did you, yeah who should we be thanking for this like Don't i know. saw
3: i saw somebody every organization somebody that
1: <laughs> some 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 organization that ends in an a that's who we should be thanking yeah so, if you could create an, an entity that ends with then a we'll, we will thank you for this. Yeah. So, look, I, I know we're having a little fun with that,
0: right? But there were different answers from each of these organizations. Um. Yeah. Right. And first of all, I, I do thank all those people who did financial contributions. Well, no matter what you did, you know, I thank them. And I thank anyone who took their time and, and resources to go to Washington on this. Right. You know, or or, or do you know? And I think I think you know, I think they deserve to be thanked on this, right? So, but this is what bothered me a little about what I saw, some of the responses, right? And uh, this wasn't a decision that we convinced the the judge cigars are, are not a health issue. That wasn't what this was about. Like, we, we didn't, I don't know if we convinced the, the the judge that cigars are different and need to be regulated different. Did you get anything?
1: Like, I didn't feel that that what was with the decision here. Um no, I yeah, it seems yeah, I don't think it didn't seem like it was about the science. It seemed like it was about the process, right? It
0: was about the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I took it is that they they said arbitrary and capricious and that's what I think ultimately led to this. Like right. um I think the that the judge saw that and I think this is I think um It was Hector was saying, you know, he kept bringing up the EPA case. Right. That I think set the stage and where it was a similar type of thing where. So there was precedent that these these agencies were overstepping their bounds as far as, you know, the process to put these regulations out. Right. Um, And I think there was, you know, in particular, there were comments that weren't considered. That's where this gets a little tricky because some of the comments that were made, the FDA said they weren't, like, valid comments, and I think the judge said, well, there were comments that just weren't considered in there. Right. Um, and ultimately, they just did – they were putting regulations out there, and they didn't have any game plan for doing it. That's, I think, what did this in. The FDA, I think, did themselves in. I don't know if the cigar industry has done anything to kind of advance that. I think there's people in Congress who still – there's probably people in Congress who are pissed about this.
1: Yeah, and I think so. And I think you have to kind of look at it in a couple of ways. I mean, you can't, you don't want to discount what the cigar industry has done because they have put a lot of work into it. They have, and and, I don't want to discount that. The thing is, is like the work that they've done is like you can, I don't want to say like you table it, but what you do is you, you kind of, you keep the body of work, you keep maintaining it because if this comes back, you are going to have to use all those other bullets that you've kind of put together to, to yeah. fight this when the FDA doesn't stumble on themselves in presenting the, the regulation, right? When they, if they, you know, I don't want to say if, when they, you know, dot their I's and cross their T's correctly, and the judge doesn't just, you know, look not at the actual thing that they're trying to do, just the way they try to do it, then that, those things will have to come into play. So those relationships that people have, uh, you know, the information they have regarding advertising health issues, all those things that will still be necessary. So that will still come into play. Um, so that that all that work is still important. You know, the funding like there. This shouldn't stop any donations, anybody's work no. going into this, because there's a, it's not you know, there's other fights to be had. This is not like cigars are now you know, open and you can do whatever you want, wherever you want. Like there's still tons of like local regulations and state regulations and all those things that you still have to fight. So there's all this work still needs to happen, but this kind of like, I don't know. It's like, you know, you're in a, you're in a street fight with somebody and uh, a car loses a wheel and it hits the other guy in the head and knocks him out. And you're like, well, I won. I didn't do anything, but I won. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to accept it. And I'm going to, go go about my day now so that's kind of how I think it, this kind of occurred yeah
0: and you know there are other ways they can strangle this industry yeah That, but here's the thing because this is the most important point to make and I think the PCA did a good job they put something they put out I guess it was like a Q&A today and I thought it was that this was that was probably the best document I saw it as and they made the point in there saying The industry is still regulated. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do they try to appeal this or do they go anew?
3: I think we had some internal discussions about that, that it's probably going to be uh, simpler to
1: just start from scratch than to try to correct the wrongs and figure out what's going on. So, yeah, you know. I don't think an appeal appeals necessarily going to be the, the way the way it goes. It's probably going to be a, a new plan of attack,
0: right? And I think that's what, unless the only thing I heard is that the Department of Justice could appeal this, and they have sixty days to do it. And the, the Department of Justice may appeal this because they're defending the government. Yeah. So I, that's the part I'm not really sure of. Of that, but um, but I think there's other ways they can really go after us is what i'm saying with this um you know and i think one of the pieces i thought that they could easily like there's other things that i hate to say it could be lower hanging fruit that they could really start pushing the agenda for um advertising and social media right like and that's one that it's a very um the word i'm looking for it's very you can get people on your side really easy with that sure yeah you could definitely do that. Um, um, it was interesting. Jay's com- Jay wrote an really interesting comment. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to get too political here, but 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 he has an interesting point. He said, "Some uh, someone, no one is thanking the Obama White House. It was the OMB that told the FDA to consider option two. Um, so that's something that's interesting. Um, and they seem to really ignore option two. Is It was put out there, but it was ignored. I think that had a lot to do with that as well. Right. Um, I, I, like I said, I have a lot of fear of what may happen. I, I do think that we saw the NASA report and there's some other reports where they are really looking at social media and mm-hmm. look, this could take away like tonight. That's something yeah. and I worry about that. They could really go and put a regulation in, um, where, you know, suddenly we can't, we, our platform won't allow a prod. They could make it illegal for a platform to carry a podcast. Right. Um. You know, or website to have content. So those are the types of. Things I think, and I think, I really hope that the that our organizations, the A organizations, are really going to take up that fight right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. That's what. You know, that's what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to just take all the battlefronts as they come.
0: Yeah. I right, So I don't. it's a it's a valid point right now. There. I know there was like like, you know, um. I noticed some. Well, I mean, I, I one of the things that I saw Jay brought up this point too, uh, in the comments is you know, I saw CRA kind of take some credit for saying they funded it, and I saw PCA's response saying they they contributed to the funding, and then CAA put out something saying, um, that um, they 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 won the case, so right? It, w- it was
1: and the know, BCA, don't forget the BCA,
0: don't I? I yeah, but I don't think the B, the BCA didn't try to take credit on this one, I'll, I'll say that they didn't, um. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm not. I'm not trying to diminish. But yeah, they 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 put out their own thing too. Here's the thing. I don't understand why these why there's just not one communication. If this was a joint lawsuit, can't you guys yeah. get on the same page and put out a common release on this? I, I can't believe that we're not divided. And the week before that, it was those congressional caucus meetings. There were three different press releases on that. There was a yeah. CRA one, there was a PCA one, and the BCA one. And you know, they read the BCA one. You thought that they drove the whole meeting. The PCA one didn't acknowledge. I don't think I saw the BCA acknowledged in there and I didn't see the BCA acknowledged in the CRA one. I didn't see the PCA acknowledged in the, in the CRA one. It, it focused on Carlito's thing. But what I don't want to say is I, I don't want to diminish the fact that the BCA did go up to Washington. I, I, I mean, I don't think that that should be diminished. They, we, that should be something I, I do commend them for doing. But I mean, I just wish there was a common like one one press release. If you're gonna do these joint things, you got to start acting like a unified. I mean, we just look like we're all over the place with this right now. And the same thing with this week's announcements. Uh, you know, I just thought we looked like we were all over the place.
3: Yeah. Um, biggest story of the year, Aaron. Um.
1: Now, i don't want to call it in august man but yeah um, it's up
0: to up till up till
3: august let's say up till august was it the biggest story of the year yeah i i would say yes i'm probably you know i'm not i don't have all the stories that registered yeah. in my head of what's
1: what, that, what I, I would rank it but yeah i would say probably the
0: biggest here was the one little yeah i think it is too because it will be remembered the most probably Here was a one, I thought this was a really interesting tidbit when I was doing my research for what I put out yesterday. I had a lot of it prepped already, I ain't going to lie, but there was one thing I didn't have prepped, right? So in 2016, the day the FDA regulations went into effect was August 8th, 2016. I actually wonder if the judge tried to, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if the judge actually tried to do it on the August 8th date, maybe it slipped the day, but it was only one day later on the anniversary of the re- regulations were put into effect that they were, that they were removed. So I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta give my wife credit who, when she was editing the article, she said, it, and I referenced the August day thing. She said, you know, this is only a day off. I'm like, I didn't really, yeah. So I didn't really catch that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they try. I don't, I, I don't know if the judge tried to get it done or not. And I don't know if he had any knowledge of that, but it was kind of, I just thought it was interesting the timing of that. Yeah. was actually pretty good on that. So, so uh, we're uh, everyone. So I don't know, I, but I, I don't think, I don't think we should not. I mean, I think I, I get the celebration thing, but I think Aaron, to your point, we we do need to still support all these organizations right now, because this this is not over by any means and uh appeal or not, they're going to come at this a different way. Yeah.
3: Char-
0: Charlie, I read Charlie's thing today. I didn't get chance, and he made the point about, um, and he keeps mentioning the fact that they deprioritize cigars. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what your thoughts are, were about that, but I, I I don't know if that's necessarily a I, I, part of me thinks that the FDA spent so many years trying to do this, that they're not just going to abandon all this right. work either. Yeah, I don't I, I wouldn't think so. But I mean, that would be a tough one to, for me. Yeah, I, I don't think. But could they go back to square one? Yeah, but I think it's going to be different right now. Um on that. So, I mean, there's still the whole thing about them trying to regulate the uh, production facilities, right? So that, that's a whole thing. There's flavored cigars that are out there as well. I mean, so there's big things out there that, that are still potentially things that could be a problem uh, down the road is what I'm saying. And, and you know, they could, they could push the, those things. And I mentioned the social media thing. I think it's the other thing that they're going to focus on. Um, <clears throat> I didn't quite understand all the Tobacco 21 stuff either. Yeah. But but um uh, that was the other thing I didn't quite totally understand. But I guess it's only tobacco twenty one where it applies to premium cigars. And I think there was certain regulations that had age twenty one in there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it like I don't think it like I don't think it liquidated tobacco twenty because tobacco twenty one is all encompassing with tobacco from what I understand. Right. So
3: I'm just seeing if there's any other comments in here. Um no
0: uh yeah might you know a, I saw a comment about the smoking bans um some of the smoking bans have actually they've made a little progress on some of these smoking bans in the last couple of years, not huge ones, but they have gotten I've seen more exemptions and things like that get passed lately uh some of the cigar tax caps I'm not saying these are big wins, but they're not bad wins i mean, and there's still things that that have provided some relief I know in like North Carolina the cap helped really here or mm-hmm. some things, so all right, um, but yeah, big win for the cigar industry. I don't know if we have anything else to add on that, but uh um, all right, how about this other than the Califf All Saints news and and, and lead in. can I get, I guess give the lead in right now?: Sure. All right, so before we get so a lot of things we're going to say we're going to get answered next week because we have Dan Thompson and Mickey Pegg coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be the first time you will hear them anywhere I'll just tell you that right now So uh, talk about this together So they're both going to be together uh, I actually, Mickey Pegg uh, was in Charlotte yesterday His first uh, McAuliffe, uh, you know, as president of McAuliffe sales And you heard that they're unifying the sales teams And mm-hmm. M- Mickey is going to be uh, the president of McAuliffe sales He was in Charlotte and his first call was in Charlotte So I actually uh, ran into him yesterday um, actually, I went. and He told me he was in town so uh, what are your initial thoughts on this one, Aaron?
1: Uh, I think it's like an interesting relationship. You know, it's, um, you know, you have uh, a guy who is a, a co-owner of a cigar company, and he's going to lead the sales of another cigar company. And then that other cigar company is going to distribute that company's cigars. So it's kind of an interesting interesting marriage of sorts, I guess. Um, but I mean, there's, may, you know, the synergies may be there that fit what they need. So you have a, you know, a a sales leader with a long track record in the industry. And um, you know, you have a company that's got uh, that kind of distribution model that they've kind of built up and um, you know, have the ability to kind of do fulfillment and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I hope wish for the best for them and you know, that, that these you know, that their strengths there kind of work together to build something better for both the brands.
0: Yeah. I mean, I looked at there was a need on um, you could argue that the need was on both ends. Um, I think from a starter, all Saints cigars, I think, really did need a dedicated sales force. And uh they were working nothing, you know, brokers are hard to work with sometimes. Not that they don't do good work, but it is hard to build a sales model with that sometimes. Yeah. And uh, you know, by having a and the McAuliffe in-house staff is, I would say an experienced staff. I think they have very experienced people. They know what they're doing in there and, uh, they've done a good job with that. So I think, um, from that standpoint, Mickey did not have that. And he, yeah. he need, I think he needed a staff and to do that. Um, on the other hand, I think McAuliffe, when me look at this saying, Hey, we wanted to really bring in an experienced sales leader to, to take us to the next level. Um, and, uh, you know, Mickey has a long history with this uh, back from his CAO days, especially. Mm-hmm. So I think there was there was an interesting um, uh, marriage. I, I've seen this happen two other times, and, and I don't know if you could think of a third one. So the first one that I remember this happening in was PDR Cigars and El Premier Mundo. Do you remember mm-hmm. that one? Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't remember, if folks don't remember that um, PDR Cigars brought in Sean Williams, to uh run their sales team and uh they were already producing several of sean's lines and that seemed to i don't want to say it didn't work i think i think what eventually happened with that one i don't remember the timing but i think sean eventually i think the arrangement ended and then sean shortly afterwards went to cohiba yeah because, but the company didn't. With, now I heard PDRs redistributing Premiere because they don't. They Sean didn't abandon the company, but mm-hmm. um, they're still redistributing. So I don't think there was a breakup with that one. Um, you know, Sean was. Were, I guess I just think Sean went in a different direction as far as what he was doing. The second one was similar circumstances. It was Mombacho and Patina. And yeah. uh they again Mambacho was making patina cigars and Mo came in as the national sales manager for um Mambacho. Uh, that's, that's
1: that was a little that's a little more integrated though, I feel like this is very separate because McAuliffe is not making yeah, all Saints cigars as of yet.
0: As of yet. And I don't look, I've talked to Mickey and he's got a by the way, the, the difference with this one is that they're still doing separate fulfillment separate warehousing separate Mm -hmm. invoicing um the only thing is the sales which that's what's very unique about this and i don't think mickey is unhappy with those components he has i think he's got a good relationship with the distribution comes out of la polina and naples Mm -hmm. i think he's got a good relationship with them and his production comes out of rocky patel And I don't see that changing anytime soon. He's got a very good relationship with that factory. I've seen him with like Nish and these guys. There's there's good, there's good, they like each other. Um, I don't see that part changing either. So, um, this is a little different. And like I said, so, you know, does could McAuliffe eventually make a cigar for Mike? There's no reason why not. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, you know, I'm sure Mickey's going to go down to the factory at some point and, um, you know then he gets to see what he wants if he wants yeah. to do something there yeah, i mean it, it depends yeah i mean he can keep he can continue to keep it separate if you'd like to and um you know or if he wants to play around and do something else he can do that
0: yeah yeah um absolutely yeah i think um like i said i think it's gonna be um i think my answer i have i have a lot more questions i have for for these guys, I think we're going to get into what, how they came about. But I, I do yeah. have more questions about this going forward. Um, particularly, you know, uh, and what kind of a kind of synergy, to, like how you bring the synergy with these different teams in, because because Mickey had a couple of sales, he had some sales reps, I think a couple of brokers, and I think a one in house guy mm-hmm. he was working with as well. So, um, you know, and I think it will be interesting to see, you know, what happens with that. I, like I said, I haven't really you mentioned those other two cases they weren't the same as this one so i don't know if there's another the answer is like for me to say if it's going to work or not i don't really have an answer because i don't think it's ever happened like this before
1: with that
3: yeah yeah
1: it's um yeah it, it is i think it is unique um i don't remember something like this being set up like at this level so yeah um
0: I, I yeah you know, I, I don't see like I don't like I, I, a couple of people said, Well, maybe there's a collaborate. I don't see a collaboration happening because, really, there wouldn't be a collaboration. It would be if if Mickey decides to make something out of their factory, isn't you know, um, you know. So I don't really see that piece happening. And I think, um, you know, I think they each have goals as far as, as that's gonna go. So I was I was like um like I said it was um I don't that one didn't. That one, I think, probably surprised a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people saw this one coming, either. Yeah. With that. Um, I mean, so that that was kind of interesting with that.
1: Uh... <laughs> Jay's comment. Uh, Jay's comment wants to see the world burn, man.
0: I, I don't know. I see. I don't think it's a bad move, but I just don't see them doing that, to be honest with you.
1: Um, no, up- I, I, I don't think there's any point. Like, wh- I don't know.
0: They've inve- the reason why I don't see it happening is they at Tabacusa is they've invested so much in that McAuliffe.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know why you would go somewhere, like why would you do that investment and then go look somewhere else, Like you know? Yeah, like general, for example, like they 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 were making
0: the bold line of general and they ended that relationship. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, I like I said I think I think there's some good stuff coming out of Tabacusa particularly I was mentioning San Andreas stuff. So I don't see it happening with that either. Um I, I actually think, and this is a question I have for Dan is I'd like to see McAuliffe get more involved with like things like Puro Sabor next year. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, they've invested so much in a factory. I think it's time to for them to show the world what that factory is. And I think the the Nicaraguan Festival will be a good example for that. But the big, you know what the big question I have is, is does Mickey start eating pub subs now? He told me no yesterday. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I would see things flipped over.
0: Yeah, he says that. there's no such thing as a sub, it's a hoagie, and he had a very, yeah. very uh, uh, distinct thing on that. Um, yeah,
1: you don't, you don't, yeah, so, um,
0: yeah, no. Yeah, so, uh, I am going to the open house this year, and Mickey said he's gonna be there, but so I am going to Texas that nice. that week, yeah, so, nice. so we'll see what happens, but Mickey said he will be there, so, uh. Um we'll we'll see what happens. But we, yeah, we will have those guys on next week um for a full show on that. Yeah. So stay and I think we'll do some Philadelphia versus Dallas stuff that night too, I'm sure. Um those cities love each other so much. Awesome. Any anything else, Aaron, before we close out? We went a little late today. I don't think so. No, so um again, first thanks to uh our audience. Hanging in there a lot of people hung in late Uh, We we will reach out to the winners Aaron has pulled the list together Uh, The result of Aaron's Decision is binding and final (laughs) I'm gonna make yes, that It is very good. Don't come to this. Is Aaron's decision is final. All right. Don't email me because <laughs> if you didn't win, <laughs> Aaron, I'm going by what Aaron's decision is made. We made a final decision here. Uh, but we want to thank uh Joe Grow and Mike Giordano, Mike Ginini. Yeah, uh, I mean they really give us great. Um uh, for an accessory show, I think we had a really good turnout. Um with yeah. that. Uh I didn't know, like I said, um uh, Michael has not done these. He said he told me he hadn't done a podcast. He's done interviews, but not a podcast. So right.
3: Uh
0: I didn't like I say I met him at the trade show. I was I, I really enjoyed talking to him and um they were very generous tonight. I didn't expect uh all those prizes to be given out.
3: Yeah.
0: So um Definitely. all right. Um, but that's gonna be it. Uh th- again, uh thanks to everyone. Uh to again, tune in next week. Uh f- uh we'll have uh, Mickey and um Dan, I'm getting yep. I'm losing it right now. But that's gonna <laughs> <laughs> but that's gonna wrap up primetime episode two seventy-eight into the annals of history for Thursday, August 10th now, Friday, August 11th on the East Coast. Uh we will see everybody next week. Take care, everybody.
3: See you guys.